Okay, my apologies, guys. Uh, we have uh, issues here technically this morning, so I'm sure it's going to be resolved and we'll, we'll get it sorted and drive on. Um, ad break jumped in there. I was just going to get stuck into some of the headlines in the paper. So I'll speed along, actually, because we've got a lot of calls to do. But as you can imagine, what's dominating the papers this morning are dis- disquiet, the word disquiet. Front of this morning's mail talks about four different fire attacks in the space of three weeks now across the country. This is not in any way, shape or form just limited uh, to the Galway incident, Dublin as well, and Wex. And the front of this morning's mail says four fire attacks in three weeks. The examiner, sorry, the mail also on its inside page uh, details. I did this yesterday morning because Owen English did it in the examiner a few days ago. He detailed every single one of the uh, more recent, particularly the arson attacks. Um, and there's a lot more than four, I can tell you. One of them, of course, was in July in Ballancolig when several men broke in and set fire to the former school there, which had been announced as a place for for refugees. Um, well, the Fianna Fáil councillor up the west of Ireland, Noel Thomas, uh, got a wrapping yesterday, going to decide as to what his future is within Fianna Fáil, actually. Uh, and he had a very, himself and a second councillor by the name of uh, Seamus Walsh, uh, were very much criticised from the inner echelons of Fianna Fáil yesterday. And I think there was a heated conversation with Hall Martin. Um, so they have no regrets for what they were saying with regards to the art that Ireland is full, the inn is full, we can take no more. Uh, one particular councillor has been wrapped by his own party for linking the migrants to a rise in violent attacks. Um, actually, that's very dangerous to do because it's very, very difficult. No, it's actually quite impossible to get the details of any attacks at all or criminality involving people who have come to Ireland you, because those that data isn't actually released as a number. Um, and you never actually know these things unless you're following the actual court reports. But certainly, uh, Helen McEntee, the Justice Minister, doesn't agree with the sentiment that Ireland uh, is full. So some will, di- will agree with her, but an awful lot more people now are disagreeing, saying no actually she's living in cuckoo land if she thinks that we have uh, more room and more housing and more accommodation. Um, the story also makes the Irish Times because there's an internal Fianna Fáil committee now will decide whether or not they'll sanction the couple of Galway party councillors because of their their opposition. They've come out and said that they're opposed to the proposed asylum centre that was destroyed by fire on Saturday night. There's a local Fianna Fáil councillor actually up in the, uh, um, in the Formoy area because the Formoy story of course is also very much front and centre because international protection applicants will be moved into the Formoy B&B in the very near future, according to the department. It's a story in the Echo today. Now, when that will happen, nobody knows. I would imagine if it were to happen, it possibly would be at a relatively quiet period, possibly at some stage over the Christmas. Would it be something that might happen maybe on, on Stephen's Day or maybe even on Christmas Day itself? And that would be poignant regarding uh, no room at the inn and Jesus born in a stable. But all of the papers deal with it this morning in quite some detail. Um, in fact, there is a story making the examiner today where they talk about a rise. There's a human rights group sounding the alarm over the rise posed by anti-migrant groups all around Ireland. They say that there are far-right activists who are planning and orchestrating violence against the country and they're gaining strength and that needs in itself to be tackled. There are other stories making the papers which I will come back to but I will just stay with this one really. It being Christmas week and everything I'm, I'm very cognizant of that fact but nonetheless it is a story that needs to be covered particularly the Formoy angle of it and there was a public rally there last night and when I referenced the two Fianna Fáil councillors above in Galway getting wrapped on the knuckles by Fianna Fáil I'm joined by a local Fianna Fáil councillor in the, the greater Formoy area William O'Leary, who was at that uh, rally last night. William, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Firstly, many many attend. Uh, what kind of numbers? Yeah, I, I suppose I didn't do a head count myself last night, Neil, but I suppose you had 150 plus people at the rally in Fermoy last night. It was okay. 
it was well attended. Okay, all all age groups, all, all walks of life. Do you yeah, think? Or what? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, all cohorts of male, female, um, young, old. So yeah, look, there was a fairly good mixture of the type of person that did it in last night. Okay, okay. You, you, you hear what I'm saying there? That the papers are suggesting this morning that um, international protection applicants will be moved in. In the and, and I think the word is very soon. You, you don't have any further details to when very soon would be, no? No, we no. I don't have any details as to when that would be. I suppose. Look, as as public representatives, we did receive um, notification from la- last Tuesday. I think it was from the Department of Integration that the building in my Abbeville house was ready to commence use. When that notification is sent out, it is usually imminent that it would be put into use, Neil. Okay, um, you are, are very much set against it, but I believe that you particularly honed in on businesses, business people, companies um, who opportunistically um, provide this accommodation for the state, for want of a better term. Is that right? Yeah, I suppose, look, and I'll just touch on that in a second, I suppose. Look, last night's debate was organised by a local man. Um, there was all walks attended I suppose the, the, the debate was had it was a very rational debate um, you know I suppose but yeah I suppose the point I did make Neil was that you know the actions of some of these people and companies who buy these buildings inside in rural towns inside in places that they put into use for this purpose can be described as sinister in most cases these people are not from the areas they're they're far removed from where they purchased these buildings and you know and the point I was trying to make like and uh, I know people agree with me if, they, if you think they're doing it out of the good of their heart the House International Protection Applicants they're not they're doing it for one reason and one reason only for for greed and for money and no, uh, well, easy, for, for profit and there's nothing actually yeah. illegal or criminal about that so you, no, you compare sure. them, and, and you can correct me if I'm quoting you wrong, yeah. that their behaviour is as bad as any drug cartel. Did, did you say that? I, yes, I did. I did. Okay. Do you really think it's as bad as people who deal in death? So, so, so sorry, Neil, can just you just say I'm making the point. Do you really think that companies who buy and refurb um, buildings or hotels or uh, you know bed and breakfast, like, say, for Moy? are really as bad as a drug cartel? Look, I think their behaviour is, is not great. You know, Neil, I suppose that's the point I was trying to make. They're, 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 they're not from these areas. They're far, far removed from them. You know, they, they, they don't care about the local communities that they put them into. They certainly don't care about the effects it has on people living there. And I think that, I suppose, it's, it's just... It's just it's 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 morally great that's a fair yeah. point to make in, in the yeah. sense that it is for profit there's nothing illegal yeah. taking place but that's they see it as a way of making money perhaps quickly and the state are good to pay you compare them to um, worse than the likes of the English landlords how do, how do people re- react to those comments last night um, the reaction was a lot of people would have agreed with what I was saying yeah. you know um the English landlords, I suppose, were far removed from the land that their tenants were on, and they treated them badly. But and they extorted them for great profit, going back centuries ago, you know. And and I suppose, look, their their behaviour, like, and I'll be, I'm, and I apologise for being repetitive here. They're far removed from where where they are, from where the issue is. They can they can go go about their daily lives fine, make their money, and yet it's the people inside in these places, like for my 
and all over the country that um, that are being affected. And in most cases, it's a it's, it's a hand like a, there's a trend occurring here, Neil, in the sense that it's the same handful of companies or individuals who are eat who are purchasing up these buildings and using them for this purpose. You know, it's mm. it's, it's industrial warehousing in one sense. Mm. Okay, okay, it, it it will it it will go ahead though, won't it? I mean, they they will they will arrive. Um, are the community ready to stop that? Look, I can, the community will do whatever they need to do, Neil. Um, they've been keeping vigil with the last month, you know, inciting for my... Um, and I have to make the point, like, you know, that these are hard-working, honest, decent people, you know, and they have concerns. And whether people agree with them or don't agree with them, they're entitled to have concerns, you know, and for them to be branded fair right, fair this, fair anything is... I think it's below the belt, Neil. You know, I've met these people, I've sat with them, I've listened to their concerns, and I can assure you they are far from anything that some might describe them as. They're they're hard work and anaesthesia for my people. What's the what's the main fear? Is it to do with services, like for instance, GPs or medical services, or or has it more to do well, you know, housing, obviously, things like that, or has it to do with fear of criminality? Which? Um, it's 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 all of those. You know, I suppose Neil. I, I suppose, yes, yeah, services, it, it, for my is like mini towns, services are stretched. School places, which I deal with every summer in my own job. You know, I had a ferocious battle in trying to secure school places for people this year. You know, um, that's one part of it. GP services, all the other services, yeah, are, are badly affected as well. Um, as some described as, you know, above in the West, yeah, it's the fear of the unknown. Right. You know, um and I suppose, and the same thing is, yeah, and this point has been made on your show and very well broadcasted across the country, is that, um, you know, and I see it in my own job, we're dealing with people who have been evicted every day of the week, we're dealing with people who are looking for homes, we're dealing with people, every case is different. And, you know, this point was well made last night, you know, the will is there from the government to house international protection applicants. Agree or disagree with us, that's, that's by the by. That same will isn't there to 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 house people who are badly in need, who are on the verge of eviction, or who or who are who are homeless. Yeah, but you reason, wouldn't you know, wouldn't same, you wouldn't say that it would be it would be suitable to put uh, Irish families into the same kind of no, warehousing facilities it, and dorms. No, yeah. it's it's it, it, it's not you know, and I, I it, it's absolutely not. If it was fifty six Irishmen going in there, we would have the same concerns. If it was okay. fifty six Tibetan monks, we'd have the same concerns. Okay. But still, the facility could be used at a lesser level or at a lesser number to house people who have be recently become homeless and are overweight and allocation of social housing. That was my suggestion all along, you know. Would these would the, would the same people who come in and purchase these buildings deal with the local authority? Because okay. I know the local authority would sit down with people and listen to them and use it as a short-term, halfway, midway facility for people who have, for whatever reason, left their home okay. and are overweight and allocation. OK, I want to chat with Matthew McGrath in a second. Just before I let you go, you're, you're aware that uh, two of your councillor colleagues up in Galway have got their, na- their knuckles wrapped by uh, Micheál Martin. That's Noel Thomas and Seamus Walsh. Uh, anybody within Fianna Fáil pick up the phone and tell you get back in line? Uh, no, uh, to be honest. But uh, look, I'd be hopeful that, like any political party, I'd be hopeful that Fianna Fáil is a broad church, a broad church of views. And if someone's view differs to what the hierarchy is, it should we should that view should be taken into account and listened to. You know, um, in this day and age, you can't have you can't expect that. A, 
a party with the membership and 270 councillors in Ireland with that type of you can't expect they were all singing, singing to the same tune the whole time like mm. you know so different views they should be respected and no one should be getting slapped on the notice OK thank you for that William O'Leary do stay in touch Fianna Fáil councillor for that area Matty McGrath crossed the border last night came in from Tipperary independent TD joins me by phone Matty good morning Good morning, Neil. Thanks for taking the call. Uh, what prompted you to cross the border and support the locals in Formoy last night? Well, it's not the first time I've crossed the border. Right? Oh, no, I, know I know that. I know that. I know that. Fan memories have gone through for my hunt before you had the motorway. And again, I was there. My last visit there was on the 10th of April to commemorate the great patriot, Liam Lynch. And that's one of the main reasons. The, the fight for freedom in this country and the, the, the patriots that gave their lives didn't fight for the suppression of democracy, suppression of free speech. And, you know, we added uh, the island of the Thousand Welcomes. And we've proven that again with Ukraine war and the way people opened their homes and their houses and everything built on extensions and re- rejuvenated garages and changed them and helped and offered. And many thousands of those people that made those offers to the Red Cross were never even actually followed up on. Mm, mm. But William is dead right there. Mm. And I want to acknowledge William and indeed Council Thanks of Linda for the day last night. Uh, listen to the people. It's our duty. My duty is to talk to Dala, is a messenger of the people. And that is to bring the message uh, to the Dal and to the government. But um, we have a situation now where William is 100% correct. He said it last night. Greed has, has grown in here. There's a situation here with money, flat machines. People see money here and they're using these unfortunate, you know, migrants and refugees as, as, as just as money tools to get massive money. There's huge lucrative money you've made here and they're doing up any kind of old buildings. Now, this is a pretty modern, fine building, but they're doing up all kinds of buildings and they see greed and the, the payments they're getting are abnormal and that's not the thousand welcomes. That's greed. Same has happened with the monopolising of the housing situation here for the last 30 years where we spend tens of billions on hat payments and we don't have a house to show for. Mm. And again, uh, greedy people, some well-motivated, but big uh, conglomerates have bought up here, bunch of funds bought up lots of property, and they're making countless money out of it. And when are we going to learn from our mistakes? So why is that across the border? But the, co- the companies that do that are the individuals, or, or the big bucks, as William O'Leary would call it. That's That's been yeah. done hand in glove with the encouragement of the government. Oh, yes, yes. That's, that's the point I'm trying to make to you. That's not what Lee Lynch fought for. He fought for equality and people to have rights of self-determination. And not a whole uh, system by government. As I said, we have the, the model here already with the HAP and the big developers in there. I'm not talking about all these small people. I refuse to call them landlords or the people who have a second house or an incidental or an accidental uh, homeowner or landowner. Uh, sorry, uh, um, landlord. Lord, yeah. But no, it's good people. Uh, the big conglomerates here who want to see big book. And unfortunately, some of the housing agencies, the bigger ones in this country, the NGOs have gone into this massive uh, property development as well. So, look, there's a number of issues here. First is that this is an issue here for my absolutely no consultation, no engagement yeah. from uh, Roger Graham's department. In the first instance, Roger Graham's department is too small and it's, it's, it's a fledgling department. They haven't the resources. I think they've only two or three staff that are supposed to be doing this local engagement with people. Now, the people I met last night, the people that phoned me over the last month from Permai, are ordinary, decent, uh, working people, hard-working people of all shapes and denominations and, and, and none. And they are, have concerns. And they have concerns if you put, if you put 54 uh, male, Irish males in there, or monks, as they said last night. It's just not a suitable way to put people. Imagine putting you and me and Frankie, Frank Roach and, and William O'Flynn into a room for, for two days 
days with someone who's had a black eye probably come out because we'd be frustrated. It's just not. And, and that has happened. It, it has got heated. But what about our obligation then with regards to uh, our European Union obligations and uh, our moral obligations yes. to people? You know, we... Here lies the biggest problem. Moral obligations to, to put people into that. Moral obligations. Look at, look at reception centres, the, the way they've been left languishing there for the last 30 years now, some of them, 25 years certainly. Listen, this is the problem. This is the problem with me, Arne Martin, up the road and the little Radcliffe. And every party leader, St. Mary Lou MacDonald, uh, Richard White Barrett, the whole lot of them, every one of them now are in this globalist bastion, serving Europe, massive doing this. Why are they hungry not have to take them? Well, it's just because Hungary's gone rogue, really. That's the reason for that. They've gone rogue. Listen, excuse me, I want to counteract that because Victor Orban, who I know well, has been re-elected for four successive terms in Hungary. He's serving these people. The problem in Ireland is our masters, elected political leaders, are not serving the people. They're serving the masters in Europe and the WF and WHO and God knows anyone else, big farmer, anybody about the Irish people. And that's not what Lee Lynch and Thomas Kent and all those people give their lives for to have a democracy and have our freedom. But you, you, you actually said that Collins or, or Kent fought for uh, that we would have be able to practice our faith, our culture, and our heritage yeah. and our education yeah. and free yeah. live. And f- what do you mean by free living for people here? Um, are, are you, are you, is it that uh, multicultural? Freedom, freedom, of, freedom of expression. I have no problem with multicultural. We have people here, and I meet them every week. I've been in hospital quite a lot the last number of years. We have people of all nationalities all over the world doing a great job here. Same in, in, in industry. And we have, at this meeting that we've gone abroad, we have gone abroad all over, and we've built a lot of countries, Irish, with sweat and blood. Yeah. None of the, none of the free, freebies that we have here, I'm not saying... Look, we're, we're no, I acknowledge the fact that no Irish person that travelled abroad got a freebie. They didn't they had to work for it. And no. I got, yeah, I, and, and, I and I'm not saying... That, look, it's it's wrong, probably wrong terminology now, but we have to listen to the people with a ears closed here we're not listening to the people on the ground and this is not only this issue it's the health issue it's the housing issue we just have failed to listen and acknowledge the concerns of the people if we had if we had put these issues in place our this big massive plan in place to, to house our 13,000 homeless and, and nearly 4,000 children and we would have it sorted out longer there's no will to do that and uh, because it's, 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 they don't want to do that our, our powers that be and we had an opposition plan to be taught going up to the back train but they're as bad as the rest of them now and they don't want this so go back to why I was there I was asked to come to take a petition uh, from the people that did there over a thousand signatures people who came into the, that makeshift tent that they have there they didn't go knocking on doors and kind of intimidating people looking for them and they have up to 1500 online and I was asked to take that to okay. there, which and, I will do and was the, were there were there any county Cork TDs in attendance? I know you were, but you represent Tipperary. Were there any Cork TDs in attendance? Were, there's certainly a couple of councillors. Do you see any TD colleagues there? First of all, could I compliment Peter and, and the organisers because Peter was very fair and announced and told the meeting the government rules before we started that there was going to be no discriminatory language or no inflammatory language or no racist comments and there wasn't. And the people that were there in the rain were very dignified and okay. very, very, uh, okay. you know, accept their concerns. He did point out that all the local parties, TDs were invited, including uh, uh, as well as Mick Barry, who was uh, the PDP. Why was he asked? Because Peter and the organisers wanted to have a proper but debate. Were they there? Counter- no, they weren't there. No, they didn't arrive. Why do you think that no Cork TD attended? 
But so you just asked William that question, had he been wrapped under the knuckle? I'd compliment him on his bravery. Um, had he been wrapped under the knuckle by the great globalist, Venus Hall, Neil Madden, who's turned that party inside out. Remember, I was a member of that party. My father, who fought with General Lee Lynch, was a founder member of that party. But they've long since abandoned the people and they've got they've jumped into the globalist now, European uh, board. You and said that, you said that, yeah. So they they didn't yeah, attend, yeah, you believe, Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael or anybody uh, out of fear of being wrapped by party HQ? Well, I don't know. Their duties to the, to the electors who, who, who elect them. And there are, there obviously are people of their different opinions as well, but they didn't come last night. But um, I saw comments on Facebook afterwards. But look, the can come to a meeting. It was well organised. Gary were notified of it. Well, uh, very well attended and very well behaved. But could I say why? Maybe go back to the symptoms. In the doll, I'm leader of the Rural Independent Group and I've been trying for the last 10 months to have a debate about this burning issue that's been discussed in every care going to work, every workplace, every public house, every function, every every family kitchen table and the country. You know that. And you, yeah. You'll get into yourself. And um, wouldn't have it. So we used our time last Wednesday week and private members' time at a two-hour debate to force this issue onto the... Onto, and I hate using the word force, but that's what we had to do. But what happened? The government didn't turn up at all. In actual fact, with no quorum for about two thirds of the debate, I could have, which I should have probably, you know, called the quorum and that debate would, would have fallen and ended, but I didn't because I wanted it aired. Okay. The Minister for Justice, the Minister for Justice attended for a brief period and then Minister Roger O'Connor and then Joe O'Brien, Junior Minister, for a short time. No leader of any political party, any. And indeed, what was so ironic and so bizarre and grotesque, I thought, was that on the day in the doll, yeah, the government didn't defend their position, but the leaders of Sinn members and members of Labour, members of PDP, Holly Kent, Social Democrats, uh, all those Bertrand Bad, all those left left wing people, had left wing people, some of them, defended the government's stance. That is a unique and dangerous situation in Ireland that we have no opposition, only the, 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 the rural independence. But the, and, and the, independence. but the stance is from the Justice Minister down that Ireland is safe and Ireland is not full and that there is room at the inn. You're suggesting that yes, neither of that yes. is true. And, 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 and in Holy Week, we should be talking about special things and the birth of Jesus and, and our Christianity and all everything else. But unfortunately, we're not. Uh, this issue has been suppressed and denied and, and, and debate closed down on it. But the stance is, and, thank, and then when it came to a vote that night, they engineered the situation that we couldn't get a vote. I have to have nine people with me to send up nine talkie darling okay. to get a vote. Ten. I can't, I know, don't say no, I accept that. I'm just trying to talk about what's, what hap- what's happening now no, no. I mean, and what's been happening yes, in the recent no, day. There was there was an arson no. attack on a building in Galway. There was a petrol bomb thrown no, at no, the building. No, no, please, please. Um, um, this is a microcosm of what's happening. They suppressed the debate in the Parliament. And only for Michael Bismarck, well, not only for him, but he tried Michael Bismarck, Michael McNamara and Pallet who being supported that five of us, we had eight. We needed ten, we didn't. So debate has been suppressed there as well. And as I said, when you have, have left-wing opposition defending the government, and the government's in out of the chamber, a very dangerous situation. Look, I condemn any action attack anywhere and any kind of violence. And that's why uh, people want to be able to come together, have freedom of expression, be able to meet 
politicians, be able to sign a petition, be able to represent the people and listen to all views. So any action attack has no place in, the, in a modern democracy and it's only doing damage to these people. If they have an issue with the developers that are developing these places, they should try and talk to them or write to them or contact them whatever way. But Ashton and, and any kind of attacks like that have no place. I wasn't aware there was an Ashton attack in front of my, you said, was it? There was. I heard yesterday morning um, that there was somebody through some form of a petrol bomb at the wall of a building. Um, this is just what I heard yesterday morning. I'm, I'm not suggesting that it could happen well, again. Near Coolamay, near Coolamay, I didn't hear anything like that. Okay, I'm okay, okay. And this is what happened. But you must remember, there are people out there that are so hell-bent on, on pushing this policy through that there could be all these opposition organised and asking them or whatever else. So it's, these people are nice were hugely dignified. The passion that they spoke with. Okay, but how, I understand, but how, how, could, how could the, you know, I don't mean this in a disparaging way, but the Rural Independent Group includes the two Healy Rays, and certainly we know yes. that the Healy Rays provide, provide accommodation for asylum seekers, don't they, and, well, and Ukrainian I, war refugees? Can I absolutely clarify that? The two Healy Rays are put in the Denny Healy Ray has one house like myself, he doesn't have any property. Michael Healy and has his own business, and he can deal with that provides accommodation, has provided for Ukrainian uh, citizens. Yes, he does, and that's yeah. his, he has to count for that. I'm not defending him, good, bad, or different. And we're a pretty broad church in our group, too. And listen, But you're, but you're having a go at the, at the businesses that use this as an opportunity for profit when I'm assuming am, that Michael Healy Ray is in it for profit. And if that tip fits... If that cap, cap fits Michael Healy Ray, he's no hair, I know, but he can fit a cap on or a hat on, he should wear it. That's his business. I don't like it, and that's his business. I can't do anything about it. But I mean, I, I, I have my friends like Willem. Greed has got in here, not compassion, like the people that offered our homes to the Red Cross, which, as I said, 90% of them weren't taken up. I'm not blaming the Red Cross. They're a wonderful organization. They haven't the capacity to deal with all that. Neither has Roger Obama the pattern. But you see, it's just, we can see the lining up here for the election. The general election, it's just that uh, Fianna Fáil the dink, and it's not Alex and Fianna Gale say, oh, this is Roger O'Gorman, the Green Minister. He did all this, and he's the pattern. So that's selfish carry on this going on in government and Sinn Féin want to be every side of the road and dancing with all the people at every crossroads but they've been found out and they used to be a nationalist party now they're a okay. globalist party okay. they've abandoned their principles completely Okay, so what, what, what happens next? Um, do people continue with, with the protest right through this being Christmas week and over the Christmas season? Part of my uh, reason for going was hoping that that could be stood down, that people could be left to celebrate their Christmas with their families. And, and maybe that will happen, but I'm not going to tell them to stop. It's, it's their time, it's their family time. They're giving up, they're doing a great service. They're bringing an office to a situation that we can't discuss in Darlene. It's not discussed at any county councils. And so we don't have any town councils anymore. That was a, a, an abandonment of local democracy. So we have a very repressive regime now with hate speech laws coming in. And um, we, we, with, with this whole digital recognition bill last week, that's not really what's meant to say in the team. That's meant to shut people up, silence people. And that's not what, as I said, the great people, Lee Lynch and Tom Barry and all the people that give their lives for Ireland to freedom. And that's where I stand to serve the people. Okay. And I'm a talk to you all, as I said, and I will continue to represent the views of all the people and listen to all people. Okay. Thank you, Matty. As always, Manny McGrath of the uh, Rural Independence uh, travelled to last night's rally in Formoy. Your thoughts are welcome. Text 0868 104 106. That fire actually that gutted 
I'm reading from the Irish Times this morning, the fire at the gut of the historic Galway Hotel earmarked for asylum seeker accommodation was the work of a local person, according to uh, the Gardaí. This is the Ross Lake House Hotel in Ross Cahill. Uh, they're suggesting that it possibly was one person and somebody local. I don't think that would come as any surprise. It was the front page of making the Irish Times this morning. You're listening to Cork's number one talk show. I just think he's a brilliant interviewer. The Neil Prenderville Show on Cork's Red FM. The voice of Cork, Neil Prenderville. Weekdays 9 to midday, Cork's Red FM. Uh, it's first a little bit of audio, or at least Kevin did, but uh, it's from a long time ago. It's from 1999, so it's neither today nor yesterday, but it certainly is Micheál Martin in the doll. Uh, talking on matters to do with migration and immigration and the movement of migrants into Ireland. If you compare the audio from 99 to the audio uh, of Micheál Martin today, as, as, as when he was Taoiseach or indeed as, as tarnished, uh, it's, it's almost like a reversal of fortune. Have a listen to this, quite short. I would have to say that there are an increasing number of people who are casually banding around the word racist. This does nothing to foster an informed and balanced discussion of the issues. We should also have no place in our debates for the naive extremes of those who think we can have completely open borders and manage any number of refugees and those who would exclude all non-EU immigration. And that was, uh, what, 24 years ago. I mean, a lot of water under the bridge in 24 years, I accept that. Other, other quick look at the newspapers from this morning. Ryan Tuberty dominates quite an amount of them. He was on a podcast yesterday with uh, Darren Garrahy, I think, and uh, has had a lot to say, actually, on his life, particularly over the last six months or so. The Oireachtas Committee was one part of it, where the headline in The Sun this morning says, Mum got me through the darkest hour. Apparently his mam picked up the phone and of course mams are there for everybody, um, you know, in times of need in the family. She's 82 years old. She called him the night before the Oireachtas session offering to come along. Uh, another one of the papers also talk of him saying that the Late Late Show, uh, ex-Late Late Show host is in the UK now. Uh, but he says that uh, people have mistaken him for a waiter when he attends glitzy bashes in the UK. And that's a front paper, page you're making the front of the star today. In fact, the RT scandal is quoted in the mail with regards to his uh, um, Durangarahi podcast chat yesterday where he says, the RT scandal was arguably the best thing that ever happened to me. Uh, I can't imagine how or why he would say that, but the, the full details are making the papers today. Um, Esther Ranson is very unwell. Uh, she has um, stage four, uh, I think she has stage three cancer at this stage. Uh, and I think is worried that it will move to stage four. Um, 37 years uh, as the head of Childline. Uh, my apologies, I'm just reading in the paper this morning that she now has been diagnosed with a fourth stage, as in stage four cancer, and she says that she has joined the assisted dying clinic Dignitas, uh, and she says she will consider going there to the end of her life should the next scan show that her cancer is worse. It seemed very sad to, to read that, isn't it? But I suppose... It's the circle of life, but it's still very sad. She says, if nothing's working, she says, I might buzz off to Switzerland, but realises that this would put her family and friends in a difficult position as they could be prosecuted should they decide to join or help her. And that's a paper story making this morning's mail today. In fact, with regards to length of life, none of us know, or do we, as to how long we could actually live. But there is a story in the UK Times saying that AI could predict um, as to whether you'll still be alive in 2028, as an example. Uh, researchers took groups of people and they fed all sorts of data on their life and their lifestyle into some kind of an AI, artificial intelligence software package, and it was able to tell people whether or not they would still be alive in 2028. I asked the question, though, 
would you like to even know whether or not you'd be alive in 2028 or 2038 for that matter? And here's the story that I would have thought would have got an awful lot more press because there's been a lot of pushback, certainly online, with the fact now that Pope Francis has given his approval uh, for same-sex couples and divorcees to be blessed. He has said that he doesn't want people to confuse this with the sacrament of marriage. He says these blessings would not legitimise what he calls, say, a same-sex relationship as in a regular situation. It's not marriage, uh, but it would be a sign that God welcomes all. So that's a big, big move, really, for the Vatican, for the Pope down, isn't it? Giving the nod to priests now to bless same-sex couples and divorcees who might want to wed again. So I suppose you technically could uh, now, uh, say, a same-sex couple organise to have some kind of a ceremony or some kind of a blessing, if you were of the Catholic faith, in a Catholic church. So I think that's quite interesting. But it's, it's, uh, it's interesting what people tend to just ignore. Uh, a bill, or a red-letter bill, or a reminder. But what about the M50 toll? There's um, a list of motorists making the papers today who ignored the bill, or there are many, many bills, in some cases hundreds of them. But one of them jumps out. There was nine who were hit with a total of €107,000 in fines for un paid tolls, nine of them. But the person with the biggest and the worst record was a chap that had 559 trips at €3.20 each and paid for none of them. He was fined yesterday €19,000. I'm assuming he will pay that fine. 19000 for 559 trips. I wonder what was the motivation behind just ignoring trip after trip after trip. It's a lot of money. Talking about a lot of money, Adele, as we all know, is very, very wealthy. An estimated 190 million and probably a lot more than that. But she's quoted in the mirror this morning as saying that she takes toiletries from hotels in spite of her wealth of nearly a quarter of a billion. She says, if I'm in a posh hotel, then I take everything. You know, everything, anything. That would be the shampoo, the conditioner, the bath oil, all sorts of different stuff, what's ever in there, coffee pods, whatever she can get her hands on that's not nailed down, I suppose. she I mean, she probably stepped, stopped short of taking the quilt or taking the coffee maker, but certainly all of the toiletries. And the paper, I'll talk about this a little later on this morning, because we are in the Christmas season and it's Christmas party season. But could I just mention, there has been a huge uptake and increase in the amount of people who love cocktails, love cocktails. I was in town on Friday night in a few different places. Many of them were too jammed to even go into in the first place. But at one stage, I was in the most beautiful Imperial Hotel in the bar, you into the door and onto your left there and you've got the big bar area there. And all of the booths and the tables and the counter and everything were full. Everybody was in there with friends. There a lot of parties going on, an awful lot of people just hooking up with friends, you know, getting out for Christmas and a few drinks. But table after table after table and primarily women in groups of women all together, all drinking cocktails. So the days of a glass of wine or a pint of beer or a gin and tonic, I'm not saying they're gone. But my observations on Friday night was that it's cocktails are ruling the roost. I'll talk to Claire a little bit about more about the popular cocktails on Lisa and where to get the best ones. But apparently, according to the Mail this morning, the top cocktail in Ireland is the Porn Star Martini. And I, for one, would love to know what's in a Porn Star Martini because it sounds very naughty. <laughs> 
But apparently that's the top one. Um, and we'll come back to that story and lots more besides between now and midday today. So if you're a cocktail lover, stay tuned. She'll give you some examples as to uh, where to go and what to get. That's uh, hopefully after 10. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Back after the break. The number one talk show in Cork. If it's happening in Cork, Neil is talking about it. The Neil Prendeville Show on Red FM. Okay, text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Quick call this side of 10. And to talk to, to Callan, if you don't mind. Callan, good morning. Good morning, Mal. I'm happy to hear you. Thank you for holding. You, you came over from Bulgaria, what, 10 years ago? Oh, uh, yeah, around 10 years ago. I, I arrived here with my family, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, to work and to rear them here, was that the case? Yeah, uh, by camp for a better life for my family. Mostly, you know, I don't, I don't come to steal. I don't come to be. Oh, no one is suggesting. Why would you even think? Why would you even think that the people are thinking that you came to steal or to ride the system? I have those arguments with uh, one of my uh, neighbors, and I have a big, big arguments there. But that's. Do people say that? Do the people say that when they hear your accent? Oh, yeah, I have a neighbor with which uh, I used to live seven years uh, next to him, you know. And uh, there was a big story. It was good a friend, you know. He has a boy, I have a boy. They was playing together with and with my daughter. And one day just, he turned around and say, Oh, you're, uh, I don't want to say exactly the words, but uh, uh, let's say he said, uh, I'm a very bad person. I'm here just to steal the country. I stay on the social, but in that time, exactly, I was a very hard worker. And not only in that time, all my life, I'm a very hard worker, myself and my wife, you know. We pay our taxes, rents, and everything. And But uh, most of the people in Ireland, they were very welcome to us, you know, were very happy with that. Mm-hmm. Very, very happy. Mm-hmm. And with the system, even the social system in Ireland is very good. Just my point is there, you know, the system is very good the the social system but it's not used on the right way you know this is this is the biggest issue here what do you mean by that uh i will say a few examples uh, uh let's say uh i come ra- as a refugee you know mm. let's say about the refugees first because you were talking about the refugees yeah. i come as a refugee and you straight away put me in the hotel and to sit all day give me food give me clothes give me money to survive uh, believe me i will never think about the job I you will never you will never think about a job if you're saying people provide everything Free. Yeah, uh, I don't want to say you, anything bad about those people, but that's that is the truth, you know. Yeah, you 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 know you know that those that come here have to wait for a period of time before they're even allowed to get a job. I mean, I just I mean, don't be picking holes in what you're saying, but oh, yeah, you know, yeah. it's, I, it's not as if I, they can I, come I here the, like they're forced to do nothing for a period of time. Oh, I know, I know very well that, but see, uh, let's say, I know too many, uh, we'll point Ukrainian, I don't want to say nothing bad about them, but we'll point to Ukrainian. If you have, for example, two, three months, which is, I think, is the period, you have two, three months uh, till they investigate everything, you know, how you are, and this, and this, and this, too many things, you know, yeah. and after that, uh, let's say, they say, okay, take that PPS number, you're right to your uh, legal now to work in that country mm. but the people doesn't want most of them they doesn't want because they get everything for free if you go i will say again if you're one child you know one baby 
and I always, till you grow up, you are 20, 25 years old, and I, co- I continue to support you without asking you to start to integrate, you will never do. This yeah, is, but, but, but people a, from, from all over the world come over here, um, um, you know, like yourself coming from, say, for instance, um, Bulgaria. Others came from Poland. Others yeah. came from Estonia, Latvia, yeah, countries. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. They, 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 they came here to work. But refugees are, are different. Like Ukrainian war refugees was never thought that they'd be here for a long period of time. Um, but even having said that, I do know of a huge proportion of them, well, maybe not huge, but certainly a sizable proportion that are working in, in jobs that are, are needed um, for people to work in and Irish people don't want to work in them. So they are taking well, up some employment. See, uh, uh, you're right. I, and I work with uh, too many Ukrainian people. I don't want to point it for what and how, but and a lot of them, I seem uh, they work and they want to work also. But uh, most of them, let's say, I don't want to say exactly the percentage, but most of them they don't want. And you know what is the the other things? Uh, who came in Ireland? Who can afford to come in Ireland? From who can afford to escape from the war? We have to think from there. Uh, who, from my side, I will say, and everyone who, has, who I meet from the refugee, I don't say only about uh, the Ukrainian, every refugee, uh, only the well-skilled people and rich people, they can afford to escape from the, from the war. And I think most of the people, they will agree with me because this is the right, you know. Uh, for example, a lot of Ukrainian people, not only here, all over the Europe, where they go, they go with a brand new Mercedes and uh, they pay everywhere cash. And, but if they're uh, rich and they driving th- brand new Mercedes, why would they want to come here at all then? They're rich. Oh, oh I will tell you why. Because the richest people always, they want to be more rich, you know. So you're not going to get rich. On, if, you, if you came now, you're not going to get rich on 38 euro 80 a week. Oh, yeah, I will tell you how is the system. If I have my own money and I save them somewhere and I spend somebody else money to live, what is that? You don't spend your own money, yeah? Mm. I, just, I just don't think all of them are driving these big fancy cars that you're suggesting. Oh, no, 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 I don't want to say every one of them, you know, but that's uh, people. And uh, let's say I met too many Ukrainian people. And most of them, they were working before they came here or they had a business in uh, Ukraine back before they came here or, uh, uh, let's say, so you never got you never got any help or assistance or never signed on or got a pr- pr- provided with a home or were on a housing list for a council or anything? No. Oh, oh, oh I don't want to say that. I get the help from the from the government when I need it. I don't want to say and about this. I say the system is. Uh, the system is very good. The social system is very good, but it's not for everyone, and it's not uh, it's not working properly. You know? when I need it. But I how can you criticize people who come here when you yourself came here and got assistance and imagine some form of state aid? Oh, when I came first here in Ireland, I came for some reason, but however, that doesn't happen. And I never turn around straight away to ask the government for the help. I start to work hard. Uh, I and my wife, you know, we work very hard to build up something. We pay our uh, bills, we pay our uh, rents and everything. Yeah, you came over on the promise of a job as a head chef, but it fell through. But you you still got on with working and rearing your family. But you're critical of people who, who, who are... 
you know, being supported by a system that I get the opinion that you were helped with by yourself. Yeah, uh, I will say like that, you know, uh, if one person wants to survive and to grow up his own uh, children and to grow up his, uh, uh, we don't talk about the business, to build up his own house, they can do it, you know. But uh, in my situation, for example, uh, I save, not I, my um, I and my uh, wife, we save our money and we bought the house. However, it's with mortgage, you know. Nobody can afford in these days. I see. Uh, okay. You bought your own house, you pay your own mortgage, and you paddle your own canoe. Yeah. And, and is it a case, because I'm out of time now, but is it a case, do you think, if there are people who don't work or aren't allowed to work or are prevented from working and are given everything, as you say, for free, you believe it makes yeah. them lazy and they will never want to contribute, is it? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. You, you you state exactly the right things, you know. That's exactly what it is. Okay, thank you for that. Much obliged. We'll pick it up after 10. Text 0868104106. But right now, we'll swing to the newsroom. Lots to do between now and midday. I'm going to move along and keep an eye on the story out of Fromoy and indeed uh, other stories related to that on the back of what happened in Galway. But just ahead of other calls and texts on different topics, let me just deal with um, some texts from you guys on this this morning and indeed from yesterday. Do you remember the two sexual assaults in Fromoy last year done by, you guessed it, foreign nationals? There is no more room. Politicians have their eyes closed walking. It just shows they're so far detached from reality the public are saying enough is enough. Ireland crashed in 08. We all agree. Property was like junk. There were ghost estates, vacant units and dereliction. Now we have housing crisis and an affordability crisis. How? Because, among other things, because of immigration. If this goes bang tomorrow, we're going to be in a far worse situation than we were in 2008, says Morris. Did someone say no criminality amongst refugees? Well, how about the Pushka case and that guy who murdered two men in Sligo and the guy who attacked a woman in Fomoy having just been released from prison in his own country for a similar offence? Look at the newspapers, Neil. See the facts. Another one here says, Beth, the sad reality is that we do not have places to put people. Any true leader should be able to speak honestly on the matter. Let's not forget that Irish people were not welcome when they went abroad. I'd hate to see any person be made feel unwelcome, but there just is no more room. Morning, we need more people like Matty McGrath in Cork. Micheál Martin is delusional if he thinks he represents the Irish people, says GP in Blarney. Never thought I'd agree with Matty McGrath, but he's right. Heard him on your programme this morning. The politicians have destroyed you all by taking over all the accommodation in Red Barn, the hotel, the apartments, the holiday homes. There are a thousand Ukrainians with full benefits and a lot of them are wealthy. You should see some of their cars. Most of them are fleeing home for Christmas where the laughing stock, says Kira. Neil says Hungary has gone rogue because they're putting their own people first. So now you're showing your true colours. Put 30 plus male asylum seekers in their 20s in your estate and see how long it'll be before you'll be asking them to be moved elsewhere. You are misinterpreting what I said. I didn't say, I'm not saying, for instance, that Hungary's gone rogue with regards to its own people. I'm saying Hungary's gone rogue with regards to the narrative of the European Union. They're gone rogue and doing their own thing. That's what I'm saying. Good to hear local representatives listening to the worried people and the concerns. Why didn't Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael put the same effort for our own homeless people and those who had homes taken off them? All the main parties are Euro-driven. The European Union and our so-called republic is gone, says Anthony. Uh, maybe you could bring, on, bring up the World Health Organization's non-elected bid to take away our sovereignty of health and that our criminal government is giving them the go-ahead to bring it on. 
Another one or two here. Where was Thomas Gould last night? Certainly not in Formoy. Sinn Féin are choosing their battles. If they think they stand a chance in the next election, they need to listen to the people of Ireland. Another one says, Matty McGrath for Taoiseach. <laughs> Good to know someone is in touch with the general public. Sorry, Neil. Matty voted with the government on a lot of stuff. The new independent party won't be independent anymore. Uh, motions will have to go through the party. So thank you for that selection. That's just for this morning. There's a lot from yesterday. Everyone is talking about Moy, um, but um, what about Dominic's and Montanati? Completely full. That's nearly completed for refugees. It uh, was originally for Ukrainian families, and now it's rumored that it will be men will move in there. Any update on that? No, I haven't. But if anybody has, I'll bring it to your attention. Germany has begun a trial where asylum seekers now get a card while they're being processed. The card only allows them to spend in the district they're in. It does not allow them to send anything abroad. This is the system that should be adopted here for everyone who is undocumented to filter out asylum tourism. Don't you think that changing it to €38.80 a week is to try and filter out people who want to come here for financial benefit. Instead of taking international protection applicants, we should be taking 200 Afghan special forces and their families who've been exiled to Pakistan. There's a lot of different texts on different topics and also uh, many from yesterday, particularly in my conversation with uh, Peter, who got quite, um, let me just put, uh, let me say, um, quite emotional um, or certainly had a lot to say. Um, not everybody agreeing with him, mind you. I will come back to those throughout the course of the morning. We're calls on the way after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show. Cork's number one talk show. Pure Cork. On Red FM. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 Red FM. I'll come back to text throughout the course of the morning. Do keep them coming. Text 0868 One of the things I mentioned in the papers this morning is uh, a move by Pope Francis to approve that priests will be allowed to give be- blessings, blessings now, not marriage, not the sacrament of marriage, but blessings uh, to same-sex couples. I'm assuming that that would be within a church a Catholic church. So that that's a big move, I think, and probably a brave move by Pope Francis because Pope Francis, because watching some of the reaction online, there was pushback from people who would be, I suppose you would deem them as being maybe Catholic pushback from traditional Catholics saying this is a bad idea uh, and that uh, the doctrine of the church should not include blessings of any sort for same-sex couples because, of course, Catholic people, or I suppose, well, Catholicism uh, and the Vatican itself frowns on same-sex marriage or indeed same-sex relationships. But it's possibly um, a move in the right direction, generally speaking, for the church to be a little bit more inclusive, I would have thought. Father Timmy Hazelwood uh, represents the Association of Catholic Priests in Ireland and ministers to a parish in East Cork, and he joins me by phone. Tim, good morning. Good morning, What What do you think prompted, morning to you, what do you think prompted uh, the Pope to come out with this announcement? Um... I suppose if we could go back a little bit and even say society in general back in, in the 50s like and before that, uh, gay, being gay was a disorder. You were treated medically for it. Mm. But like, the human sciences now have shown and proven and society understands that that's, it's not a disorder, that people are born who are gay, so it's part of a person's nature. Now, society has accepted it, but the church, like if many things, were very slow uh, to move with that knowledge and I, I think it's I think um, a lot of people are uh, 
with some medical people and people in psychology have been writing a lot over the years and people's understanding has changed and that's reflected in the Senate, you know, people, the feedback from people in the Senate all over the world has, this issue has been huge and the lack of compassion that is was seen coming from the church. And I would agree with what you said in, in your introduction. I think Pope Francis is very brave here. And I think he's taken the lead himself in pushing this forward because it's been spoken about and spoken about and kick for touch and kick for touch. And now all of a sudden, I was surprised to hear it. Yeah, and delighted. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. It shows but, but but does it does it it shows mm. what? Sorry, compassion is compassion. It shows compassion. You know that that people are not excluded completely. That there is a welcome. Like I've known uh, many gay couples who are Catholic, and that their faith means a lot to them, and to be excluded, and then their families feel excluded, and it's or it's not very Christian. Yeah, yeah. So we've come. A fair way from, say, Pope John Paul II, who said sexual activity between members of the same sex was a grave sin uh, and that homosexual attraction was objectively disordered. Um, that, that, that's, that's, is, is that not the, the... The Catholic Church would still condemn same-sex sex, sexual activity, would it? Or indeed, it would still, it would still be against same-sex marriage, though. It still is, because... Like it, it, the, the church put forward this ideal of marriage between a man and a woman exclusively and the procreation of children and all the doctrine ha- has been based on that. So any kind of deviation away from that. But this is a beginning. Like I, did, I think this shows that we are trying to understand a little bit more about the human person. I think we, I think our teaching has been very black and white and and life and people aren't black and white, as we know. You know, it's a very complex area. So why not go the whole hog so and, and just say that yeah. the love of Jesus or the love of God is equal to all, whether you're gay or straight? Why, why just stop at a blessing? But I, I think, as you said, I mentioned earlier, like there, there will be a kickback. And I think the Pope is Pope of the Church throughout the world. And there's parts of the world that will find this document very challenging. Right, very right, challenging. Right, right. And like, I, I don't think the Pope is just going to destroy the Church in one swoop. You know, I think he's, he's, there's been a lot of talk and a lot of discussion uh, to get a better understanding of uh, the makeup of the human person. And, uh, and I think it, it has led to this. And it, I believe this is a beginning. And do you think there would be many gay couples now who will seek a blessing? And if so, how would that actually work? I think what's interesting in the documents, it says that the priest will have to decide themselves uh, what's pastorally acceptable in the situation. Well, a lovely couple came to me last year, the year before, and they were mindful that I could get into trouble, but they wanted their wings blessed. Now... That was a, a lovely thing to be able to do, to bless the rings they were going to exchange uh, with each other. Where, where, where would that... Was that like a ceremony? Where would that have happened? Well, no, it happened in my house because okay. they were afraid that if we went to a church that I would get into trouble. Because it would be and deemed to be was, like a, um, uh, an actual... A see, it would be seen to, uh, to that a time where there was a lot of discussion because somebody had said something off the altar around the whole gay 
um, blessings and people's Well, attitude. it was probably around the time when there was bakers refusing to make bake cakes for gay couples and things like that. Or a, or a priest back in Kerry who came out with some extreme stuff. Yeah, Sean Sheedy as well. Yeah. So yeah. You, you, they, if, if it had been in a, a church, would that have been maybe as close as you'd get to it? Will it be as close as you can get to a marriage in a church, do you think? What do you mean by that? No, a, a blessing. Where will this... Bl- how, 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 will it, how will it work, this blessing? Well, again, that's down to... like The German church has produced a document and a, a ritual whereby this blessing, you know, uh, uh, the words of the blessing, uh, and that's going to be up to the priest. And I think it depends on the priest as well. I think some priests would be very welcoming and I think the couples will know themselves whether they feel welcome. But would it be, what, I mean, I'm just, I'm just curious. I mean, it's not the actual mm. official marriage ceremony, but would a blessing no. be that a gay couple, be it male or female or whatever, could organise with a priest to go to a church, invite friends into the congregation who would sit, put on their best club or what have you, and they would be blessed in front of the altar. So it's kind of like a marriage by want of another name. Kind of clear in the document, it's saying that it mustn't come across that it is not like a marriage, that it's a blessing for the couple, for the individuals. Oh but no, they wouldn't sign a register. I know that, and they no, wouldn't, no, they wouldn't no, say no. the words of "till death do us part" and sickness and health and everything. Yes. But for for want of everything else, it would be people who would be religious, Catholic, and yes. gay, um, being married, if you like. But it's not because there isn't an actual marriage ceremony. Okay. You yeah, 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 okay. don't know this or husband, it doesn't. But another interesting thing in it, Neil, is that like it talks about irregular unions. For me, like that means that people have been divorced. You know, people, you know, have been married before and and wants to marry again. That again, that, that there was no acceptance or welcome for people in that situation. So the document talks about irregular unions, and that's a legal term. Just say, like the regular union is between a man, man and a woman mm. who are never married before, mm. who are free to marry. Mm. What, what about a, a couple then who would be gay, religious, and want to have a child baptized? Friend, is that recognised? Is that? Is, is oh, that it is. It is yeah. absolutely, and and are welcome. Yeah. 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 Actually. Somebody on your program sent a couple that came down to Killa and had their baby back baptized. They didn't know where to go, and um, with a lovely ceremony, beautiful ceremony. But that's not an issue for the Catholic Church that a baby born to a gay couple could or could not be baptized. You're saying that the doctrine allows that? No, no. Well, the priests allowed anyway. You know, it is it is allowed. Nobody's going to deny a child baptism. Yes, hmm. hmm. they're Catholic and they want their child baptized. Are welcome. But they, they deny people who are in an unhappy marriage who divorced and wanted to marry again and are blissfully happy with their new partner. They deny them the chance to be married in a church. That is unfortunately the case. Okay, this is a step in the right direction. Is it one step yeah, closer it's, it's, to it's a step. more radical yeah. change, do you think? Well, it would, it would be interesting to see now, like as you say, there's a, there's a, 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 a reaction already online and there's many people who won't be happy with this but I think Pope Francis has been very brave okay. and like, and it reflects like, the synod, the feedback from the people you know and these are the people the traditional people who are still going to Mass 
this is what they they see and want. And do you think that the traditional um, parishioners, um, it's difficult to know what age group they might be, but that they would be okay, I was talking to Father Brian Darcy recently on the air, do you think it would be okay with um, female priests, married priests, priests with wives and children? <laughs> going to be sad, they'll know, Neil, all of a sudden. Um, he be- he, be- he believes that, they sh- that it should be happening. Well, again, it's about trying to bring people along with you as well. You know, I think like if we're talking about, I don't know if you see in Clatterdice, um, it's up in Monaghan, that area, there's going to be funerals with no priest. Like, there aren't enough priests. Our average age is up to 70. Still working. Priests are still working. What are, so, going, what are they going to do about that if they don't allow them to marry or allow women to be priests? That's the question. That's the question. Mm. Are we going to have just priests and no sacraments, no mass at weekends for the sake of these these rules. Okay, well, maybe this step by Pope Francis is just the first of more to come. More blockbuster announcements in that department, perhaps. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. Happy Christmas to you, Tim. Thanks for taking the Happy call. Appreciate it. That's Father Tim Hazelwood. Season's greetings to all. Certainly is Bing, Bing Crosby and uh, David Bowie and Peace on Earth, uh, Little Drummer Boy. Text 0868 It's Christmas time. Some people are exhausted and they're frontline working in shops and department stores. I'm really not one to complain, but I've ended up going home early, wondering, is all this worth it? Uh, I want to know, uh, what is it with customers this time of the year, Neil? Mixed ages, male and female customers seem to have the most ignorant manners the last two weeks especially. Where I work, it has been chaos. And we all know that Christmas is a busy time of the year. But I know that staff across all occupations are busy, whether it's an agency or a shop or a service. I leave a tip or a small box of chocolates or simply a thank you and a happy Christmas. But we all seem to be getting these days is a rake of abuse where I work. Does anybody else find this working in retail? I know Christmas can be stressful, but people have to think about the person that you're speaking to or dealing with, that it might have something going on in their lives personally, or they might be missing loved ones, or there could be issues, and shouting abuse at people will get you absolutely nowhere. Why has manners and respect disappeared from people, says Sarah, by email to neil at uh, redfm.ie. Not for the first time, actually. I've heard people in a retail setting saying that people are just too worked up and rude. Mind you, you have to think about um, the whole commercialism of it all. John got in touch to say, I work in a big supermarket in the city and we already have Easter eggs in the back store and our store manager has a plan in place to take the Christmas decorations down Christmas Eve morning. I'm disgusted. Roy Keane was right when he said he buys no presents for adults at Christmas and that it is only stress if you have to do it. Christmas presents should be only for kids. And that's what I'm going to do this year because all the big companies have us brainwashed to keep spending money regardless. Yeah, it's like as if we're all on this kind of commercial consumer treadwheel, aren't we, that keeps on turning. And as you say, your supermarket is already eyeing Easter eggs and they'll be up 
before Christmas Day. Keep those coming. Text 0868 I'm just curious, we talk about Christmas and commercialism, but they're also the traditional things that we need to be doing uh, at Christmas time. And for many, of course, it's the birth of Jesus and the religious ceremony. Or sorry, the religious significance, I should say. I'm curious as to whether or not that crib went up down in West Cork. Maureen, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Remind just I wanted to update with you. Remind me of the church again. Oh yes. Um you see we had you know the church, Neil, probably the Church of the Immaculate Conception. In Clon. It's a beautiful yes. Okay. Is the crib beautiful up? church? No. Tuesday of Christmas week. They told me no. it was going up this week. No, but you know, Niall, they told you wrong about a crib, first of all. Right. The crib is the nativity scene. Yeah. It, it entails is. A, that a, a, would resemble a stable, right? I agree. Their idea for the past three years of a crib was statues in front of the altar, Mary, Joseph, and baby Jesus. That is not a nativity scene. It is not a crib. Okay. And I no, okay, so no, wise, no wise men, no donkey, no, no couple of horses, no, no straw. No, no bit of straw, no, okay. nothing. Right. That okay. crib is in storage. If they had given me a hammer and nails, I'd have got someone and we have knocked it together. That's all you have to do. But they told Bring me, the oh, no, I never managed to talk to any of the priests there, even though messages were because left. they won't but, talk to you, Neil. No, apparently not, but apparently not. But no. somebody who did answer the phone saying that the crib would be in the church this week. Well, there was talk about them putting a crib up yesterday or today. But their idea, again, of the crib is just moving, bringing out the three statues and plonking them in front of the altar. Why don't they go Katie, the whole hog like? Sure, kids and everyone would love it. Because they have stupid excuses, Neil. One of them is was to do with insurance, apparently. Now, I got this from somebody who would be very well in with them and the parish council. I can't name them, of candles course. Candles and lighted candles and straw, I mean, technically, yeah, don't yeah. go together. No, 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 I'm not talking about that. I didn't, I didn't say I lighted candles and straw. Okay. But the, the excuse they were given was insurance in case somebody might hurt themselves. And the people that used to put it together, well, they've retired now. Uh, well, there are strapping young men going to that church. They would have it together in a day, like the people did before them. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a very traditional ago. option, I have to say. Just No. And there's another thing too, do you see, there's an organ where St. Joseph's altar is in front of it. And that's a big space. But there was a, we have a fabulous organ up in the gallery. But this organ was donated and it came out of Westminster Cathedral. Right. Now, the other excuse is, oh, well, it, it might damage the organ. And you know, God forbid, it falls apart. These stupid excuses. Why, though, would a and church I, with priests in it not want a full nativity scene? Like, it's their, um, it's their crowning glory of the profession that they're in, Christmas. Well, Neil, this is, unfortunately, from okay. and my opinion as a practicing Catholic only, this is the dilution of the faith. They don't care. They have it nice and easy down there. Wait, wait, one priest here in this town in particular walks around. Ah, no, no, I'm not even going to go there. I'm not even going to go there. No, I'll end the call. No, no, if you go. No, I don't give it. Doesn't matter whether I know him or not. Somebody's going to know him and he's going to sue me and you'll be gone off into the sunset and you'll be, no, forget about it. No, no personal attacks on people who are not able to defend themselves. Oh, listen, okay. Okay, you talk about, okay, you talk about, no, not going there. You talk about the dilution of the faith. Are you happy? You don't want the truth. It's not that I don't. 
want the truth. People need to stop well, saying that. It's about law. It's about libel. It's about defamation. It's about giving people Neil? fair, proto- pro- no, fair I'll process. Let you, I'll let you off and I'll tell you something. You are not letting me that off and I'm doing you a favour. You would have public. a fella knocking on your door with a letter telling you're in court for defamation. I'm doing you a favour. Anyway, listen. No. Listen, okay, listen, well, listen. Uh, but you know what I'm saying? I'm telling you, I'm telling you what you can say for your yeah, own good. No, no. Well, it's like, yeah, it was a conversation oh, with a fellow yesterday and he just couldn't get it. Like, he just wouldn't be able, he just couldn't get what I was trying to say to him. Anyway, listen, we're talking oh, about the dissolution. Oh, you of rang, f- was it? All oh, right, okay. No, 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 Neil, they won't talk to you. So okay. it is pointless in you ringing or anybody else ringing because they won't talk to you. Okay, you talk about the dissolution the of the faith. Okay, I hope that we'll, yeah. we'll have to wait and see. This is Tuesday. Let's see if the statuettes or the, uh, or the, you know, the, the actual statues go up at some stage. Do you, do you have a. Yeah. You, you're aware of the Pope they're announcing that he's going to bless same-sex marriages. Uh, you'd be very much against that, I'd say, would you? Yes. Why? Because it can't happen. Francis it says cannot. it's going to happen. Francis no, says it's going to happen. I don't care. I don't care what Francis says. Francis, in my opinion, is at this point an anti-Pope. And he has spoken heresy as well on a few occasions. But nobody is listening to the likes of Archbishop Maria Vigano, Archbishop uh, Bishop Schneider, Bishop Strickland, Cardinal Burke, Cardinal Mueller. I get the point. What if, what if, I don't know any of them. What have, all, the, what have they all got in the common? They, they say that homosexuality is they, a sin. They as well. can, you cannot bless a sin, Neil. It's as simple as that. Who says it's a sin? Everybody Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ would never have said that was a sin. He'd love everybody, yes. straight or gay. Excuse me, wait a minute. This is always equated with the woman at the well. All right? And people will say to you, well, Jesus met the woman at the well. And he said, you know, go in peace. Right? That's what you will hear. But you will not hear what he actually said. He said, go in peace. But he said, sin no more. That's for all of us. uh, Yes, but that is sin. Why is it a it sin? Is in the Why Bible. is it a sin? It is in Why, is it a sin? Why is it a sin? Because Almighty God Himself said it. It is in the Bible. It is in Deuteronomy. For one, go and look it up, people. As in the words of Saint Bernadette, I am here to inform, not to convince. I. It is not up to me who wants to believe this or who doesn't. I, as a practicing Catholic, and I speak for me, say. You cannot bless sin, Neil. You should know it if you're a Catholic. Any Catholic, even of our age, who went through school learning our catechism, knows this. No, no, no. That's only, that's, only, that's only because it was driven into us. I mean, it doesn't necessarily make it fact. Nor does. Nor do well, many aspects okay, of the Bible. Nor do many so aspects of the Bible, for that matter, well, that were written by men. Hold on. They were written by men. Listen, the Bible is actually a biography. You go and look at any famous book that is written about a person. All in that book will be facts because the person writing the book will have got their facts. Yeah, but I think and that so Jesus Christ said, let he without sin cast the first stone. So uh, that means that we shouldn't be a moral judgment on other people as long as they're... As long as you, they're judge, you, you judge the sin. This is what Catholics are not on getting. And I cannot understand how people who co- profess and call themselves Catholics cannot differentiate the, between the difference. It is quite simple. No Pope. So if we were, no so if we were to have a son, so if we were to change the dogma of the church. So if we were to have no a son, if we were to have a son or a daughter, 
um, who was gay or came out, uh, bravely came out as gay and fell in love with somebody of their own sex, we as parents have to categorise those, if we want to be Catholics, as a son or a daughter who's a sinner. If they are, um, if they are practising yeah, homosexuality, yeah, yeah. yes. Well, I can tell you one thing. I would never do that. I would never, ever, well, ever do that. Well, that's up to you. Then you cannot call yourself a Catholic. Fair Nobody enough. can call themselves a Catholic. Okay. Fair enough. Fair Everybody enough. is welcome in our church. Nobody is saying you're not welcome. But nobody is saying to these people and telling them the truth. You are so not saying they're welcome, sinful. Maureen, with all due respect. Yes, you're saying you're welcome. welcome. No, you, you're not. You're you saying you're only welcome, welcome if you're gay, if you're straight. You are welcome in the church. But you will not be reaffirmed in your sin. And this is what no priest, bishop, and certainly not in this country, or Francis, is telling people. What they are doing, Neil, is they are leading souls straight to hell. I'm only here to inform you. I, this is my opinion. I, as a Catholic, know this. And all Catholics out there should know it. Because I'll tell you something. When every one of us leaves this mortal soil, when the minute we die, our guardian angel will, will guide our soul to the throne of judgment. And when that day comes, a lot of people are going to be very, very sorry that they didn't just open their ears for one okay, minute and okay. listen to so what there, somebody was so therefore, to tell Okay, so therefore in your heaven there will be no gay people. They'll it's all be, not my they'll heaven. All, they'll all be in hell. Gay people with feelings of that as long as they're not practising are as welcome in as heaven as, as anybody as, else. So you can get into heaven as, heaven you as long as... You won't get there. You, as long, you can get into heaven you, as long as you're gay but you don't do anything about you, it. You won't get there okay. when you die in mortal sin. That is the teaching of the church. Okay. Go okay. and look it up and every other Catholic... Read Canon Law. Go and look this up for okay, yourself. Okay. S- stay in touch over the next couple of days with regards to that crib, all right? I'll we'll let tell you. Know. Okay, let me know. Take care for now. Text 0868 Thanks, Maureen. You're listening to the number one talk show in Cork, The Neil Prendeville Show. It's the best in Cork. On Red FM. Get it off your chest. Text The Neil Prendeville Show now. 086 8104 Red right. FM. Morning, Helen. Thanks for the email. She says, last month you were on about the cost of the panto. Well, I was. It was more to do with people calling, wondering as to why there wasn't a family ticket for two adults, two children, one adult and three children, because otherwise it was quite expensive. And thankfully, in fairness to the Opera House, they, opera house, they made some changes in that regard. Last month you were on about that. So I said I'd have to tell you about the Cork Opera House. In the late 70s, our auntie got us tickets for the panto. There were six of us. And it was magic. Back in the day, Bill O'Connell dressed up as a woman. And we must have been onto our mother about it all year till the next Christmas. My mother used to get $20 every Christmas from her cousin in America. And she wrote a letter to the Opera House and asked for six tickets for the panto. And she put in the $20. The Opera House would send back six, six tickets for a show. But the seats were on their own. So... <laughs> None of us ever sat together. We didn't care. We just wanted to see the panto. Um, We did that for four or five years. It was one of the highlights of Christmas for me. When I started working, I used to go myself. And then when I had my old children, I started taking them. Now my children are grown up. Myself and my husband, we're in our 50s, go to the opera house before Christmas and the last show of the Everyman Panto. Um, Every year I book the tickets as soon as they come out for both pantos. This year, I must say the opera house have pulled out all the stops. The panto is so good. I hope this puts a smile on your face for every day you put a smile on mine, says Helen. It does, and thank you for it. I love a good bit of nostalgia. In fact, the reports that I'm getting back, and I haven't been to either panto 
yet this year. It probably will be the new year. I must score some tickets, actually, uh, but I will go. But my the reports I've been getting back, certainly with regard, I'm sure it's the same for the everyman, but certainly the, uh, the Opera House pantomime apparently is just an absolute blockbuster by all accounts. However good it was last year, they've raised the bar even higher this year for the panto this year. But you're talking about the 1970s, right, where you started off going to the panto and the great Bill O'Connell. And um, there's a lovely little piece of audio that Kevin tracked down, actually. And again, it's from the 70s, from 1975. So this is a bit of RTE audio for you. And it goes to show that even back in 1975, people had the same whinge back then as they do in 2023. Oh yeah, we're talking to people about Christmas. How's Christmas for you I this year? I think Christmas is just wonderful this year. Everybody's in a wonderful spirit and everybody's certainly in a great spending spirit. What do you think of prices this Christmas? I think they're exorbitant. <laughs> well, what do you find particularly expensive? Every blessed thing. How much money do you think you will spend on presents? Oh God, I spent £50 already on presents. Are they, are they good value for money? Yeah. What kind of things have you been buying this year? Clothes. Clothes and more clothes. Both more in London, though. And they're terribly expensive over there, but they're a lot cheaper here. This year I've cut down quite a bit. I'm thinking of this great big thing next year. But I've cut down quite a bit. But uh, so far, I say I suppose I've spent £30, if not more. So everything seems to have gone up enormously. You find you have to cut down? Absolutely. You must be joking. There's no one a double and shorter money. Just go into the shops and see what they're all spending. Christmas comes but once a year, and we appear more determined than ever that it will bring good cheer whatever 1976 holds in store. It's almost as if the dire economic predictions and the prospect of a stinging budget in January has actually given an additional boost to business. There's more money than ever in circulation, about £300 million. We'll eat an estimated three-quarters of a million turkeys and a quarter of a million hams. We'll also drink more, over £17 million worth in this month of December alone. The statisticians say that about eight of us will be killed on the roads and over 160 injured. And yet, despite the tinsel and commercialisation, Christmas lives. It still manages to light up a child's face. Its real meaning still shines through. It's funny, isn't it? £30. I was just meant for Christmas. £30 in 1975. Bring it back, man. £30. What would you get for that? Your selection boxes, huh? Christmas at Cork's Red FM. I've been thinking a lot about turkeys of late and trying to get as many uh, statistics as I can. I mean, we go through what, about 800,000 turkeys, might be upwards of maybe a million at Christmas time. It pales into insignificance when you compare the amount of turkeys that we as a small country eat at Christmas time by comparison to what the Americans eat for Thanksgiving. They eat up around about anywhere between 45 and 50 million turkeys every year but they do it primarily at Thanksgiving and I'm only mentioning that because one of the papers this morning is giving more tips uh, to avoid all sorts of of grief um, on Christmas morning when you're trying to cook all sorts of different things. The turkeys themselves I imagine probably today and tomorrow I'm open to correction this is probably the time when um, the turkeys will go to meet their maker and be sent off to the likes of Tim Mulcahy inside in the chicken inn and what have you and then sold on or out to 
the lads in McCarthy's Butchers and Hawks Road. They're about 18 to 22 weeks, apparently. That's the age pretending on, on the breed. But one of the papers this morning says, uh, don't be bothered with all of this grief on Christmas morning. Cook the turkey overnight. Mm. I mean, you'll want to be a very brave person to put the turkey into the oven and go off to the laba, right? Because the worry and the fear is that you'd overcook it. But if you cooked it really, really slowly overnight, then you'd have probably a cooked bird, but it would be very pale because it wouldn't be giving you the heat to brown and to bronze it. So you'd be doing an awful lot of basting at the last minute. But anyway, that's one of the suggestions. Cook the turkey while you sleep. But here's one that definitely will come a cropper because the mail this morning is saying, don't bother peeling the potatoes for the roast potatoes. I mean, I do not recommend this and I'm far from a chef. Chef, They say life is too short to peel potatoes. You kind of need to for roasties. But they say, especially life is too short on Christmas Day. Boil them with the skin on for around 10 minutes until they start to soften, drain them in a colander, put them in a bowl with a tea towel over the top, and then give them a gentle shake. Thanks to the steam and a bit of friction, the skin should simply drop off the potato. Should, but probably won't. More likely to get a load of potatoes in brus. I mean, I think of any day of the year, that would be the day that you really want to give a lot of care and attention to the roast potatoes. And I think it should start with peeling the damn things. They talk about um, prepping your veg way in advance or indeed microwaving the Brussels sprouts. You probably would get away with some of those things, but not peeling the spuds. Um, they're also suggesting you should be making the gravy days in advance. How can you do that if you use turkey juices and stuff like that? It just doesn't work. And I won't even start, on, I'll, I'll probably start on the row of which stuffing is better potato stuffing with thyme or the breadcrumbs a little later in the week. But anyway, either way, whatever you have in yourself, uh, listen to your show the other day. I thought we were talking about good acts and acts of kindness. Here's a quick one just this side of 11 o'clock. Heard your show the other day talking to Sarah about the bus driver. I had a similar experience a few months back. It was around the time that Ashling Murphy was murdered and most women in Ireland felt very vulnerable to be out alone. I was on my way home from a night out. I'm new to the city and I didn't know my way around it. Half past 11 at night, I jumped on a bus, realised I didn't know where I was. When I was at the last stop, it was a female driver driving the bus. I ended up in Wilton at the time. Hadn't a clue. Asked the driver, where do I go or what do I do? Where am I? She told me that I'd gotten on the wrong bus, uh, but it was maybe a 10-minute walk back it was about 12 at night. But she said, don't do it. Stay on the bus. She said she dropped me back to my house. It was late and dark. Uh, and she uh, brought me to right outside my front door in the bus. It may have only taken a few minutes down the road, but I felt at ease knowing I was home safely. My phone had died at this stage, so I had no way of checking maps or in contact of anybody to meet me. I'm hearing and reading a lot on social media at the moment about negativity, negativity regarding the buses and our drivers. I just wanted to share my good experience Never got the driver's name, never got the girl's name, but I was extremely thankful of her good deed, says Shauna, with regards to a bus driver who happened to be a female bus driver. I would love to think that the same would have happened if it were a male bus driver who brought you safely home. Must have been an amazing thing to have a big bus driving into your park at midnight and you getting off, huh? like as if you're Beyonce. Um, or Adele or something chauffeur driven by the bus back after 11 Cork's number one talk show 
The Neil Prendeville Show on Red FM. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106 and get involved in the chat. Colm O'Sullivan's at Cork Airport. He's been catching up with people who are heading home uh, for Christmas from the four corners of the world. More from him in a minute. But one of those that he welcomed back on Leeside from Cork Airport this morning is Connor and Leah, home from Brussels. The family here back in Cork Airport for Christmas. We've got the, the collection people and the arrivals. So we got Connor and Leah. Where are you coming from, guys? Uh, from Brussels, but we flew in from Amsterdam. Okay, brilliant. Danny, uh, you're living over there, obviously. Yeah, we went over for a year, ten years ago, and we're still there now, and two kids later. And uh, <laughs> but it's still it's still lovely coming back. Always is. Brilliant. And you have mum and dad there. I'm going to bring we're going to bring in uh, bring bring in the gang here. Hi. Are you delighted to have them back? Delighted. Great to see them. Great to have them home for Christmas. And what's the plans for Christmas now? Oh, just home, home time and family time. Yeah, and relaxation. Yeah, and the grandkids are back as well. The little man and the little girl. The little girl, they sure are fabulous to see them. Yeah. What are their names? Luca and Marlena. Oh, brilliant. Okay, so so they're 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 Belgian and they're back in Ireland. They're Irish. They have Irish passports. Yeah, yeah. She keeps saying she's Irish to all her friends in school. Yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, we're both from Cork and both Irish. So they're definitely we consider them Irish. Great. And do you get back to Cork much? As much as we can. Like. We we, we try to come home, yeah, two or three, two or three times a year as much as we can. Um, it's really handy when both sets of our families are here, uh, so this will always be home. No matter where we go. Fantastic, <laughs> great stuff. And what's the plans for Christmas? As your mama say, just time, just to spend time with people. You know, the grandkids are always talking to them on the phone, and it's just so lovely to see them in person now. And straight, they jumped out of our arms, so uh, we're, we're delighted. And it's because you don't want them to be strange either, you know. So no, it's very special. It really is. It's, it's lovely. Just having, even just having like a grandchild and a grandparent's um, arm is yeah, so special. Like it's, up. it's so rare for us. Like we don't have that kind of support when you're away. So seeing them being held is so special. That is, it's a beautiful moment. They're, 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 they're delighted to see the grandparents. Yeah. The grandparents are delighted to see them. It's like you're being ignored over here, uh, chatting to me. Amazing, like, yeah. Totally, this, this is fine by me. The whole holidays can go by this. <laughs> and how long are you back in Cork for? Uh, about two and a half weeks, I think. Yeah, we tried to push it out, yeah, as much as possible because otherwise. You almost feel like you've just sat down in the kitchen and then you're going again. But no, uh, two and a half weeks, I think, and we'll head back. Yeah. Great stuff. Listen, guys, have a lovely Christmas back in Cork. And thanks for chatting to us. All right? Thank you. Very you too. Uh, Merry great, Christmas. Great buzz about people, you know, coming home for Christmas and uh, being met by relatives at the airport and what have you. Colm, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How's I, it going? I, I love that, that story. You paint a picture there of maybe a couple coming back from overseas with a newborn baby and all of the in-laws and the mammies and the daddies are seeing the baby for the yeah. first time. It's beautiful, isn't it? It is beautiful. And, and there's a lot of that going on here this morning. We were chatting to a few other people as well and we'll chat to more people now because there's another, a couple of flights coming in over the next kind of 20 minutes or so. Um, and there's another gang kind of gathering here now waiting to welcome various people home. Uh, the Heathrow flight is coming in. The Heathrow flight will be one with people connecting, you'd imagine, from all over the world coming home from further afield. We heard from Connor and Leah. They're coming from Brussels. I'd imagine there's going to be people coming maybe from the States or maybe from Australia or maybe from anywhere. Um, it could be as near as the UK or as far as Australia. So the lovely atmosphere here and uh, again they've got a lovely choir up here again this year it's, it's the kids there today from uh, the Gwale School in Kinsale so they're, uh, they're they're third to sixth class behind me you can just probably hear them in the background and uh, they're singing the Christmas carols and the Christmas songs so it's just a lovely atmosphere up here Neil Is it beautifully decorated as well it's a gem of an airport is it looking mm. well? 
I'm sure it's a fantastic airport. It's always the best airport to travel out of because you're, you're through you're through in two minutes, as you know yourself. And it is looking well. It's um, it's looking very festive, very Christmassy. They've they've gone really all out this year, but they do every year in fairness. And they have a lot of stuff kind of done, especially to welcome people home because they know lots of people are coming home to Cork for the first time in maybe months or maybe in some cases in years, possibly as well. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, years for many, yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, the decorations are lovely. They always have the choirs, and they really put in the effort here, so it's brilliant. Um, and and this, like, that's a, that, yeah, that's a big flight, as you say, the Heathrow one, because that would be the yeah. final link for people from anywhere around. It would be interesting who gets off that one. Yes, exactly, it will. And I, I suppose we were just chatting to people who were off the Amsterdam flight as well, and that's another kind of connecting hub. Yeah. They're probably the big two, but uh, but Heathrow certainly. So you could get people from anywhere. I remember we were here last year, we were chatting to people who were home for the first time in years from Australia and so on. So uh, it, it's nice, and you, you get people there, like the family we just heard from, um, and like you should have seen the... The grandparents' faces. The kids, the kids jumped out of their parents' arms, and and they were ran to the grandkids straight away. And the parents were being ignored, chatting to me. <laughs> and the grand, the grandkids of the grandparents were over having a lovely time. So uh, they hadn't seen each other in ages. So All right, well, I'll let you get ready for the uh, Heathrow flight. Of course, there'll be lots yeah. of lots of tears being shed, tears of joy. I would think when people come through those those magic oh, doors. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, no, and, and, they're, they're nice. They're nice tears always up here for there. Tears and, uh, of joy. I want to mention. Yeah. I just want to mention Cork City Council as well because Cork City Council have their have their Corkmas going on up here, so they've got a, a spin the wheel and so on, and they're giving people prizes as well. So uh, fair play to them, and they're 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 sorting out a few little vouchers and things for people who are popping back for Christmas as well. Okay, job well done. I'll let you get back to the Heathrow flight. Take care for now. Much obliged to Colm as always. He spoke spoke there, of course, uh, with Connor and Lee in from Brussels. Here's uh, another couple of people who came through, as I say, the magic doors. Emily and Katie, and Emily's just back from Amsterdam. So what are you doing over in Amsterdam, Emily? Um, I'm studying actually in The Hague at the moment so I'm there living and now I'm just here back for holidays to visit the family again. Okay, so we've got Katie here who is your mum and we've got we've got Sean over there as well but Sean is, is hiding from the microphones and the cameras uh, so you're delighted to have her back? Oh, absolutely delighted. We miss her every moment that she's away so it's great to have her back. Great stuff and what's the plans for Christmas now? Uh, eat lots of good food, drink lots of wine and uh, enjoy time with the family. <laughs> when is the last time you're back in Ireland? Have you been away a while? now or are you back every once in a while or what? I was here this summer so I left in September and then I'm back now for Christmas. Yeah. So where else would you want to be for then here for Christmas? Nowhere else. I was flying in and the view is stunning you have all the cliffs like it's amazing. Oh, I yeah. love it alright. Yeah. And how's life in Amsterdam? How does it compare to Ireland? Um, it, I love it. It's a really nice student life. I love living there but um, yeah it's not the same obviously. <laughs> Ireland is, is unbeatable. <laughs> and Katie like she says all the right the right things. I said the right thing as well because I was like, that's your sister, not your mama. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll take that one, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you've the you've the train up there. Sean is, is supposed to be in school at the moment, but you had to bring him up for the for the big reunion, didn't you? Uh, absolutely. His his older sister is actually doing her leaving cert, so she's in school today. <laughs> and we won't mention we won't mention Sean's absence. Alright, we'll say nothing. Listen guys, welcome home, all right? Thanks. And have a lovely Christmas back home, all right? Thank you, Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> Great buzz at Cork Airport, isn't there? Talking about airports. We were chatting yesterday morning on the air uh, with Chloe. She's out in New York and she was in touch looking for help to get her passport back to New York. The backstory to this was she had a poor passport to New York. Unfortunately, a dog of a buddy's over ate it. She applied for a new one and, of course, she got it. But it arrived home to Passage West. Now,
Now, she's due to fly home this week. The, passes, the pa- passport's in Passage West. It wasn't picked up by, by FedEx on time. And she got on to us with a plea for help to see if there was anybody uh, flying to New York in the coming days that could get the passport over to her so she could fly home for Christmas. Isn't that right, Chloe? I've pretty much summed it up correctly, I hope. Have I? You did sum that up correctly, Neil. Thank you very much. You're very you welcome. Yeah, because because came to the rescue. Yes, indeed. We we Marian. well well we did come to the rescue, but it was more to do with the people of Cork who came to your rescue, and that person is Marion. So, Marion, good morning. Good morning. How, How are, are you? you, girl? Did you get through security <laughs> at Shannon? All right. I did. I just was. I was afraid you'd ring me, but I was getting through it. But I'm through it and everything, right, and I you, have her passport. Did you write? Did you give all the right answers to the customs people? You didn't give them any cheek. No, I was very good, very quiet. You're a very good girl, very well good, behaved. Okay, quiet, so what what yeah, happened yeah. yesterday when you heard about Chloe's plight? I, I tell you, I listen to Neil every day of my life and yesterday I was packing, so I missed the last bit and I called over to go for coffee with my friends and they were saying it to me. They said, um, there's a girl trying to, and I'm living in Carrigaline, so that was passage. So, um... I phoned she and then her dad got on to me and then her sister came over and she gave me the passport and um, they gave me lovely presents myself. Tell them thank you very much. Really? What did you What did you get? What did you get? I'm not telling anyone. Why not? I got a lovely bottle of wine. I got chocolate. Isn't that a lovely gift? It's lovely. Wine lovely, and yeah, chocolates go so well together. That's beautiful. I'm just terrified. Now I lose it. Ah. I am, I've inside my bag and I'm okay. So I'm not I'm not you're, you're, you're lucky you didn't so, tell them. You're lucky you didn't present two passports at customs control with the Americans in Shannon. That's what my daughter said. I'm going out to my son anyway. So my grandchildren, my daughter-in-law. Okay, so where are you flying into? I'm flying into JFK and I told Chloe I'd meet her then at the arrival, you know, when I get my long luggage, we have a, I have a photograph of her and she has one of me. Okay, so, you, you, so you, is that right, Chloe? You've swapped photographs to recognise each other, is it? That is exactly right, Neil. You must be very excited with the prospect of coming home, are you? I am absolutely delighted. <laughs> Marion has been my hero. Hasn't she? I've been trying oh, to thank you. Marion is my hero. No problem, no problem, no problem so, whatsoever. I'll meet you. I'm flying out at two, so you know what time I'm arriving and my son is collecting me then, so um, I have your passport. I think the world is such right a now. small place, isn't it, that we're talking now at 20 past I 11 know. on a Tuesday morning and later this afternoon you will be giving Chloe her passport and she's like yes. 4,000 miles away. It's bizarre. I know, and from Carrigaline and Passage, how ironic. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and just and Thank again, Marion, for fear that I ask, who are you going over to meet? You're going to Christmas, you're having Christmas my in America. Beautiful, my son, my daughter in law, my two beautiful grandchildren, Jack and Emma. So my only son, I have two daughters here, but he's my son, so spending Christmas with him. Where are they living? So, in Orangeburg, New just outside New York. Jersey. Oh, it'll be lovely, so, won't uh, they? And uh, I mean, yeah, undoubtedly, yeah, they'll spoil yeah. your rotten while you're there. Yeah, I know. He, he always does. Yeah, everything done for me. You're so, done you're me. so kind. You really are. And Chloe, <laughs> I right, mean, they must right. be so looking forward to now knowing that you will be at home in Passage West for Christmas. I will be absolutely I'm so delighted, so Chloe. Yeah. I'm so delighted. I'm no so... problem whatsoever. You're I'm all right, girl. I know what it's like to have a son away. 
that the people of Torek have been come together and Marion is an absolute hero I love her well well, Chloe you can tag my friends the one morning that I missed the end of the show I listen to Neil every morning well, we I know, know it's I'm so funny like you didn't even hear it someone else heard it yeah. no yeah. no my friends and they said you're, you're going to wait tomorrow I said I am and they said there's a girl looking to get her Passport, so they, I rang, and they don't know. I have it here. Oh my God, you've Marion, Marion, Chloe, you've got to yeah. send me of the a photograph of the two of you we guys will, when you meet. Don't forget that. Me, sir. My son, my son can take the photograph. Please do. We'll make a great social okay. post. All right, uh, Marion, have a guys. wonderful time in New Jersey right, with a beautiful son much. and his family. And Marion and Chloe, uh, have a great yes. trip home. Everybody on Lisa, I can't uh, wait to give you a big hug. I'm delighted it worked out. Uh, okay. All right, thank thanks you very so much. much, Neil. All thank the best, guys. God bless. Happy Christmas to you both. Well done. Traveling home Christmas. That's my all-time fave. That's the one. Uh, I know one person who uh, turns off the radio every time I play that. Uh, my wife, <laughs> probably timing the length of the song now, and will turn it back on. Can't stand it. I don't know why. I think it's a fabulous Christmas song. It's my favourite one. I suppose it has to do with being away or living away and, and coming home for Christmas. It's always been very nostalgic to me. Oh, listen, just a couple of thank yous there with regards to Marion and Chloe. I just want to say thank you so much to Barry Holland at Cork Airport and to Vincent Healy at Aer Lingus at the airport because they were working behind the scenes to see if a solution could be found and would have jumped in to help us if it hadn't been for Marion heading out there and we were able to sort it that way. But I can tell you one thing, Cork Airport and Aer Lingus were very much on standby to make it happen for Chloe and I'm very grateful for that. Okay, I want to do uh, quite an amount of emails and, and texts with regards to our hamper giveaways all over the world. More on that in a few minutes time. But I only went and mentioned turkeys there a while ago and I was comparing the 45 or 50 million turkeys that they consume in America in Thanksgiving. Um, I've got Robbie Fitzsimmons again this year. He's got the East Ferry Farm. Busy man the last four or five months with regards to his own turkey flock. But I was, uh, anyway, good morning to you Robbie. How's things? All right? Good morning. Happy Christmas to you. And you too. I was trying to work out because I read somewhere, I googled it, something in the region of um, uh, maybe about 700,000, 800,000 turkeys consumed in Ireland. Would you go along with that at Christmas time, there or thereabouts? Yeah, there or thereabouts, yeah. yeah. Listen, to it's the, the traditional Christmas is all about turkey. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But it's changing. It's changing. Like we do, we primarily do whole bird, and we're seeing a little reduction this year in whole bird. And people are going for breast meat more, more. Why do you uh, think that year. is? Why do you think that is? I, it's just convenience. And look, the whole bird is more expensive unless, unless people really like the brown meat and the leg meat. And you know, they, they okay. use the whole carcass. So it's 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 uh, about it's about convenience. But are you saying that it's also about price? It's also about price. Yeah, look, it is about price. Look, there's 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 definitely there's definitely a problem out there uh, um, as a whole with the price of food. You know. Um, is, all food is not cheap. Mm, mm. Um, we can't produce cheap food, mm. and the, the houses are definitely under constraint. But this is no different to ourselves producing food. You know, uh, we have energy costs that are just extraordinarily high. We have to pump water. We have electricity for the to, to get the feed into the turkeys. We have gas when we're starting them off. They need light. I'm no different to a household. They need heat as well when they're they're small. I mean, um, when would you start? When does the whole turkey process begin from birth, say? Well, so we'd start on August bank holiday weekend. Normally that's when they come when people are heading for the beach. We're at home. 
keeping an eye on lorries and waiting for phones to ring to make sure that the chicks are arriving. They're not too hot or they're not too cold or anything else. So we start in August and we're at Christmas from August right the way through to Christmas night. I know that last year we were talking, or perhaps the year before, I'm not quite sure about the issues regarding avian flu and you were trying to keep them segregated and you were worried that the flock might perish. None of that this year? No, it's still around. Look, it's, it's, it's still around. Um, thank God it, we haven't seen it. Um, it was around earlier on in the year, but we haven't seen it in any of where I lived down East yeah, yeah. We haven't seen any birds right. And so, listen, it's still around and still we have to take precautions. But the turkeys were out and they were out in the green fields and, and passed around and we kept an eye on them that wild birds wouldn't try into anthills. And it's just an added, it's, it's an added stress to the business that's on. So here we are on the Tuesday of Christmas week. What, what's happening now? I mean, un, unfortunately, at some stage they will have to um, be, be slaughtered, for want of a better word. When does that happen? It's all done with the last week and they're Is all it? boxed and ready to go back out. And we're now just after the river for butchers and our supermarkets and everything else. And... It's happening, it's happening, and we have to have them there on time. And of course, listen, like like the butcher shop and, and all this time, they have, they have labour problems also. Yeah. So they, they want them on time, and they want as much time as they can to get them sorted, because um, labour's a problem to, to people also. True enough. So is it coming close to a time when you'll be able to get the feet up and relax at some stage? Uh, Stephen says day, uh, Christmas Day will be will be relaxed and will be reflecting on the year. And will you be? Um, have you, have you, you know, set aside a particularly nice one for your good self? I assume you roast a turkey yeah. for the dinner, dear. We roast a turkey um, and we roast a goose. We do a lot of geese as well, and I, we roast a goose. My kids like goose, so we roast a turkey and a goose, and we'll have a bit of ham as well, and we'll, we'll enjoy Christmas with the lads. You must have a big oven, boy. You must have a big oven. Oh yeah. Huh? We've toured them. We've toured them for the Christmas day. Yeah. Make sure they're done right. Did you ever hear about the one where she went in and she went gave out the woman gave out to the the to the butcher because he sold her a turkey with no meat on it. It only turned out that she'd roasted the turkey upside down. Oh yeah, yeah, and she was quite trying to take the back. And and actually, that's getting popular too. We've lots of people that roast turkey upside down. I've done it. Um, it's a brilliant way of leaving the the the, the, um, the juices from the bone and, and the flavours of the bone to run through the turkey. Well, that is true, yeah. yeah. yeah just make sure you turn it back up the right way before you carve yeah, it. make sure you turn it back up and make sure your carving is the right side is right, yeah. And um, is, is there a particular type of turkey that's tastier than another? I imagine there are a few different well, breeds, are there? Well, we do we do a couple of different breeds. The, 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 the more serious part for us is to make sure that we don't get breeds that become too heavy. And we buy slow-going turkeys, and we do a lot of bronze turkeys now, sorry, as well. Bronze ones, I've heard of those, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and they're they're slow-growing. I find they're a gamier taste of them, and they're slow-growing, so we've a chance to get the right weight. With all due respect to somebody who wants a 7-kilo turkey or a 5, they don't want a 9 or a 10, and looking at it and not being able to use it up. So the size really matters. There was days when people had turkeys that were too big to fit into the oven. I wonder if that still happens, you know? Not really know anymore because we have to be really selective in our breeds. Gotcha. Okay. And once we select the right breeds, they'll come to the right weights for Christmas. Right. And and somebody might get a six instead of a five or a yeah. seven instead of a six, but they'd only be a few grams in the difference. Okay, you know? but what you're but noticing is a small change. Of course, people are buying the turkeys, but they're also going for the turkey breast and turkey roll. Is that a boned and rolled one with stuffing and everything inside another what? Yeah, so listen, there's lots of the, 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 the commercialization of this whole turkey thing is, has brought up lots of different a lot of different uh, ideas and 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 lots of different choice for people. There's born and roll. Some of them are just going for a roll breast only. But it's back to everything. Every house is busy. 
the housewife is, is busy as well. I'd love one of those bold and rolled turkeys, but they'd never let it in the front door. It has to be the traditional bird, you know? Yeah, and I like to, I like to taste the meat off the bone ourselves, and and look, we're we're old school like sports and that thing. We're old school, pal, and we're proud to be it. All right, Robbie. Well, listen, yeah. job well done, fair play to you. Thanks so much for taking Thanks the call. Thank you so much, and happy Christmas to you all. Happy listeners. Christmas to you all, happy Robbie Fitzsimmons from East Ferry Farms. There's a good chance that you're grubbing up on Christmas Day from one of his turkeys. Tell you one thing, you might be lucky enough, whether it's on air or on my Instagram page, to snaffle for yourself a turkey breast, half a ham, and a spiced beef because I have those vouchers to give away again this year as always thanks to McCarthy's Family Butchers Hawks Road and Bishopstown and it's your opportunity to win one of these prizes for yourself for a loved one I'll open the phone lines just before midday turkey breast half a ham and a spiced beef from McCarthy's Family Butchers Hawks Road and Bishopstown they support me every single Christmas and I'd encourage you if at all possible to shop local and check them out yourself because they do all sorts of different wonderful packages with uh, different weights for different meats to suit all pockets so we'll do that just before midday I'm also giving them away on my Instagram page if you're not following me on Instagram, perhaps you might like to think about it. You could win for yourself a prize. Text 0868104106. After the break, I want to go traveling with regards to our hampers, our paddy box hampers. And I am off to Canada. You're listening to Court's number one talk show. I just think he's a brilliant interviewer. The Neil Prenderville Show on Cork's Red FM. Cork's biggest conversation is here. The Neil Prenderville Show is on Cork's Red FM. Good morning. Hi, is that Jen? Yes, it is. How Excellent. are you? Excellent, I'm good. This is Neil from Cork's Red FM calling. How are you? I am doing really well, yeah. I'm, I'm delighted I'm to hear it. Now, um, I got your email, what took you three days to write, because you're so busy <laughs> with pull- people pulling and tugging at you on all sides. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's crazy and busy and hectic here. It's yeah. So I was like, this is the year I'm going to do it. <laughs> so when you finally when you were putting out the um, the request, I was like, right, I'm going to find time now. So yeah. anytime I could find, I like started drafting an email, and then I finally sent it off. <laughs> and I also heard that um, you know you had been threatening to do it for years. Your husband had been hinting. The Cork boy had been I, hinting every but year. Never bothered his arse to send the email himself. I know. I know. I was like, if you're going to something to yourself so this year I was like you know what this would be the perfect Christmas present well happy so Christmas no to you all so what's life like in, happy, what's Christmas like in the Canadian prairies I imagine it must be it, way it, down in the minuses now Oh, it is, it is, it is. It's a lovely balmy um, minus 13 today. So it's uh, it's quite, and that's quite nice. That's quite a nice day. So you know what, though? It's really cold, but the sun shines all the time. So that's I a, would take that yeah. over the rain any day. Ah, uh, sure, I know. I mean, that, but it's destined to get a lot colder than minus 13, though, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. Double it, I'd yeah, say. Yeah. Double it. Oh, double it, double it. We've had like minus 40, we've had minus 45, and yet the skills, the schools still run, everything still continues. There's no there's no rest. <laughs> they, close, they close everything in Ireland if there's a heavy shower. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, I, it makes me laugh, though, when you have like snow days and stuff, and they cancel the schools in advance, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, it would take, it would take, and I don't think, well, my oldest child now is in grade six, and I don't think he's ever had a snow day, uh, ever. Yeah, I know, but... And 
scheme. Yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah. it's crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah, but you've got winter tires and summer tires. You've got salt and you've got winter grit. Tires. You're yes. well prepared well, that's there. that's the thing, right? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. You have a snowstorm and then the next morning, like all the roads are done. So yeah, it's great. Uh, yeah. What, what an amazing backstory because you're clearly Scottish. <laughs> um, Michael am, is clearly yeah. from Blarney, went to Scotland. Yes. You both were working in the same bar or something. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him and his friends just decided to come over for the summer and have some crack in in Edinburgh. And they just happened to come into the pub on Rose Street that I was working in. And we kind of like, yeah, we kind of hit it off. I was like charmed by his Irish wit and humor and the usual. And yeah, we had many years then of um, traveling backwards and forwards um, with the, the beauty of Ryanair and cheap flights so we kind of had a bit of a long distance relationship a long for a distance couple of years yeah. Affair, yeah for a while mm-hmm. I mean like Edinburgh I was there Edinburgh's the most glorious city the Royal Mile is so beautiful the food oh it's beautiful people are very like the it Irish is. they're very hospitable yeah. they love the crack so yeah. I can see why you guys hit it off but you moved to Cove yeah. for a while did you and then decided I did yeah yeah, yeah, spread the wings. Yeah, I did. Finally, uh, finally, yeah, he, he managed to, like, charm me over and lure me over to, to Ireland. And, uh, yeah, we kind of settled down for a couple of years and we were in Cove. We bought a house. We were living down in Cove. His family, family's in Blarney. So, um, yeah, we had a nice couple of years in, in Ireland. Like, everything was going well. And then, of course, the recession hit and Michael lost his job. We didn't know what to do. And, you know, we've always had a little bit of an adventurous streak. Yeah. So we're like, oh, screw it. Let's just try somewhere. So of all the places in the world, we got we moved to Saskatchewan, Canada, which like we didn't even know where it was. We'd never heard of it before. So no, nor did yeah, anybody nor did up, anybody yeah. say that you knew and asked you where you were going. No. They were probably as dumb as yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Everyone was like, Where? Where? You're not moving to Toronto? I was like, No, we're we're going to the prairies. So yeah, right uh, yeah it middle. was a bit of a culture yeah. shock. Right in the middle of Canada. Right you in couldn't the middle. get more central than the province nope. of Saskatchewan, that's for sure. Oh, are, you, are you are you are you close to, to Winnipeg or where would you be? So now we're in Winnipeg. So we were in Saskatchewan and we moved about a bit and now we're in Manitoba. So Indeed. we're living in Winnipeg, yeah, in the city, yeah. So, so from we're one here. province We've been here to for the about other. 18 months. All right. And yeah, that, so but when, it's very similar. So when you went, it would have been around about 2010 when everything collapsed here and yep. so many others yes. did. Um, like when you yep. went there first, yeah. what, what did both of you do for work and for housing and stuff like well, that? Well, um, well, yeah, like I had, um, I'm a dance instructor, so it was kind of a bit easier for me to find work. So and like the bank like my husband works for a royal bank of canada and so when we moved i got a work visa so that's how we got over to canada and we literally arrived in this like small prairie town with like four suitcases and we're like are we absolutely crazy have we done the right thing <laughs> um and like yeah so we kind of like you know we started from nothing absolutely and just you know worked our way up and um, we've kind of moved with Michael's work, I think, because we don't have any family roots here. We were quite flexible to yeah. move with his work, yeah. which was quite good for him. Um, so we kind of saw quite a bit of Saskatchewan and then 18 months ago, they moved him to Winnipeg. So yeah, we love it now here. So yeah, yeah we've okay. kind of started yeah. from nothing and built up. Yeah, I know what you do, but what does Michael do for a crust? So he works for Royal Bank of Canada. Oh, you said that. He so works the for the bank. bank. Yeah, yeah, actually, funnily enough, yeah. uh, I actually still, I, I have a, I just wonder, would you ever ask him, I have a Royal Bank of Canada <laughs> bank account from my days living yeah. in Ontario. Would you, <laughs> would you ever ask him to check and see if that bank account is active and if there's any money in it? 
I'll, I'll share it. If there's any money in it, we'll send it our way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, talking about confession time, right? Um, how do you get on yeah. with the, how do you get on with the mother-in-law back in back in Blarney? Oh, I have to say, Marianne, my mother-in-law in Blarney is just an absolute gem. I absolutely love her to bits. Like I've known her now, like since I started going over to. Um, excuse me, in Cork um, back in like 2001 and you know she's been a part of my life she's she's just amazing and she's a wonderful woman and she just like we miss her so much and That's the kids Marian, miss her yeah. nanny so, and, yeah I know that yes. she, she I mean, pardon me you have three beautiful young children that you're rearing of course I forgot yeah. that and yeah. that's why you're being yeah. pulled from pillar to post but Marion sends yeah. over um, boxes of goodies does she? <laughs> so um, She I, does she does and, and, and tell us that little confession about a particular particular box of goodies of Irish goodies that were sent so um, yeah a couple of years ago um, my Marianne sent over a paddy box actually so we were like so excited so this box arrived at the house and um, I picked it up from the post office and brought it home and me and my husband were looking at it and it said to the kids and we were like okay right so anyway we opened it up and we saw all this beautiful like Irish goodies and the candy and the chocolate and the berry and we're like my husband so it was my husband actually said oh yeah yeah throw him under the bus why don't you yeah 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 yeah. yeah. he's like we can't give this to the kids because they're not going to appreciate it (laughs) so anyway so little confession we actually took all the Irish stuff out and hid it in a cupboard and then I I ran out to Walmart and bought like chocolate and stuff from Walmart and filled up the box that is the cruelest story I've ever heard I know I know but you know what desperate times cause for desperate measures well I tell you what yeah well the secret's out of the box now Marion knows and yeah, the kids I also know. know but they did develop <laughs> they did develop a love of Irish treats didn't they I know we talk all the time about oh, Barry's tea and Tato yeah. crisps and, yeah. and Irish chocolate yeah. yeah absolutely they just like they love all the treats and like anytime Marion comes over she tries to come over at least once a year and like the suitcase when we arrive at the airport is just jam packed so of course the kids are excited when we get home and we open up the suitcase and there's Tato's and chocolate bars and wamba everything everything you could imagine is yeah, in this suitcase and then she's left with like three things for herself so um, well, yeah th- like was, they love it yeah, they love I was all thinking the of sending you a patty box but because of your sheer and utter dishonesty to your children <laughs> And the cruelty you imposed upon them. I haven't second thoughts about it now. What do you do? What oh, do you I do for say. friends or socialising or leisure time there? Because you, you get the four seasons, obviously, which is terrific. Yeah. Well, yeah, kind of. But when we're in the prairies, it's more like two seasons. Like okay. we have our summer and we have our winter. So we just pretty much always say to everyone, all you really need is a good pair of winter boots and a good pair of flip-flops because it's just like it's it goes from one extreme to the other. We have a really small fall. But um, yeah, so like summer's great. Like we have lots of family coming at summer. There's so much to do in cabins and lakes and all that sort of thing. And then the winter is, yeah, it's just cold. So my kids never got into hockey, but um, you can do some amazing things. Like all the rivers freeze, obviously. So you can go skating on the rivers and um, yeah, explode outside and things like that. So it's great. I I love it. I I, I love the winter here. It's just, because the sun's always shining, right? So, you you know, you can wrap up and keep warm and it could be minus five or it could be minus 50, but like you don't really feel the difference. I know. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It's just, you, you know, you have to be prepared to take the winters there. Although they're very, Absolutely. they're dry winters. It's not a damp, dry. You know, it's a different winter. Right? Yeah. 
yeah, like, I mean, I'll be honest, we came home for Christmas about, oh God, 10 years ago now. And it was actually felt colder because it was so damp and wet and you're kind of like that bone chilling cold. Whereas here, like you can wrap up in the sunshine yeah, and it never feels yeah, that cold, yeah, right? Yeah. 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 Without, without wanting to insult the entire Canadian nation, how do you get on with Canadians with their sense of humour or lack of same? <laughs> it, it took a while. It took a while, especially for Michael, because, you know, like you have that start, you have the sarcastic wit of the Irish. And um, yeah, it was just, uh, it took a little bit of time. And it's just little things like, you know, when you go into shop and they're like, have a nice day. Yeah, yeah. And like, Michael's like, are they just being sarcastic? I'm like, no, they're actually genuinely being nice because they are. They're so nice. They're so nice. But yeah, it takes a little bit of time to get used to that kind of sarcastic wit, right? They are very <laughs> inoffensive. I give them that to their credit for right. sure. And any, yes. any trips yeah. home then, either to Scotland or to Cork from time to time? Um, well, we were home. We were, yeah, we try and get home about every two years, but we have to try and plan it, obviously, because we visit my family in Scotland as well. So we kind of have to do like a round trip. So we were home two years ago because my uh, brother-in-law, Christian, he got married two years ago. So we actually, even though it was COVID, we've managed to, through a, a really, really complicated plan, we got home for the wedding, all five of oh, us. So good. we were absolutely delighted yeah, with that. Yeah, and we yeah. got to see the family then. But we actually had all of Marianne and my brother-in-law and sister-in-law and my niece and nephew, they all came out in the summer this year. So we had a fabulous summer. Like we had all of them in the house. There was like 10 of us in the house. And it was just like, oh, the cracks on my ear. And what would Whenever- Christmas be like then? Christmas is, um, yeah, it's it's pretty low-key here, like for us anyway. But, well, when I say low-key, we have three kids, so obviously it's chaos. But um, we, uh, yeah, we have like the turkey and Michael loves cooking, so he likes to do all the Christmas dinner and the mm-hmm. trimmings and mm-hmm. pretty much like we've always grown up with. We just do the same here. And, yeah, it's lovely. It's nice. It's nice. It would just be nice if we had more visitors in winter, but I think the, the weather just puts them off, right? I know, but it's <laughs> something beautiful about, uh, you know, snow at Christmas time. You yeah. Know? So you're getting a real traditional yeah. Christmas and Michael's going to do the yeah. turkey and the ham. I don't know where he lays hands on a bit yeah. of spiced beef, but we certainly... Oh, don't even talk to me about spiced beef. He's, he, for years and years, he's been looking for spiced beef, but he never finds it. I know. Well, maybe he should try and spice it himself, you know? There are loads of I recipes you can follow. Tom yeah. Durkin's recipe is online and lots of other cork ones that he yeah. would know. Put a bit of effort into it. I'll, but I'll, te- I'll tell you what we'll do. We will sort you out with a wonderful patty box full of Irish and cork goodies, including Tanora. I'd be interested to think oh. what your three kids would make of the yeah. tangerine drink from Leaside. I'm wondering, I'm wondering what they'll think. I'm sure they'll love it. If it's full of sugar, they'll love it, right? <laughs> <laughs> what kid doesn't? <laughs> exactly, and from, exactly. from your recent you experience, so not at all. You're more than welcome. We're going to get it in the post too. And I'm delighted also that you listen on a regular basis. So thank you so much for that as well. It's very kind no of you. No problem. Can I just do a shout out quickly to obviously Marion, my wonderful mother-in-law, and there's Deborah, Gavin, Erica, Shane, Christian, Katie, Caitlin and Dara. They're all all our family and we miss them so much and we love them so much. Well, listen, think about them over the Christmas period. The world's a smaller place now with FaceTime and WhatsApp videos and all sorts of things like that. Enjoy the wonderful Penny Box hamper. And uh, seriously, make sure Michael Chicks checks that bank account. I'll split it 50-50 with him. I will do. I will do. Happy Christmas, Jen. Happy Christmas to everyone back home. Bye, Neil. Bye. The number one talk show in Cork. If it's happening in Cork, Neil is talking about it. The Neil Prendeville Show on Red FM.
Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. And very quickly, and we should have more time, we'll do more of these shout-outs tomorrow. I nominate my uncle Daniel and his girlfriend Claudia in California. They won't get home for Christmas this year and they'll be very much missed at the Christmas table, says Rebecca. And another shout-out from my brother Brian in Australia. When my dad passed away, my older brother Brian was always there to support my mum and the rearing of his young siblings, two brothers and sisters, two sisters. Brian's big-hearted is always thinking of others. Now I just want to think of him. Maybe you might be lucky enough to win one of your paddy boxes. I'd love for my sister-in-law, Rachel Kinsler, to win a prize. It's her second Christmas away from her family, even though she's living her best life in Australia. She misses her home comforts, uh, including all her nieces and nephews. The hardest thing is missing out on all their new adventures and be able to grab a cuddle from any one of them whenever she needs it. A few goodies from home would cheer her up. And my son, Robert, and his wife, Courtney, moved back to Arkansas last year. This will be their second Christmas away from home here in Blarney. We miss them. It would mean the world to us and to them if they got a parcel from home containing goodies that they grew up with. You'll be giving a Corkman a taste of home this Christmas. Wishing everybody a wonderful Christmas. That's a Mary Beth Gabriel in Blarney. We'll do a lot more of those shout-outs to people all over the world on tomorrow morning's programme. Out of time for now, though. Phone lines are open for your opportunity to win for yourself one of our uh, vouchers from McCarthy's Family Butchers at Hawks Road in Bishwistown. We have a turkey breast, half a ham, and most importantly, a spiced beef to give away courtesy of ourselves and McCarthy's on Hogs Road in Bishopstown. So the phone lines are open for that caller nine on 0818 104 106 for all of the business we're picking up in the morning. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. The Neil Prenderville Show. Cork's number one talk show. Pure Cork. On Red FM.